Greetings from a galaxy far, far away. Welcome to the Socially Distanced Podcast, the flagship podcast of thepopbreak.com. My name is Bill Bodkin. I am the editor-in-chief of the site, and for this episode, I will be your wicket, the Ewok, uh, because we are talking about Star Wars because it is, we're recording this May 3rd, it is uh, the day before May the 4th, of course, International Worldwide Intergalactic Star Wars Day, so we figured let's do a podcast celebrating Star Wars, and uh, I'm joined by one of our biggest panels ever. You heard all of them on our Mando and Music series last year. Of course, joining me, as always, is uh, the Poe Dameron of thepopbreak.com. Because I, I, I can't give you... Uh, there's some mm. other titles that have to go around before that. His name is Al Manorino. He's the managing editor of the site. May the force be with you, Al. May the force be with you, too. Uh, I don't know how I feel about the Poe. I, I, I like it a lot. And at the, the same time... in the world, in the galaxy. But he's also like a giant dick. In one movie. <laughs> Just one movie, like right dab in the middle. I mean, like there's at least once a week where you're a giant dick to me. So, I mean, that's true. That <laughs> makes sense. So, um, Al, before we introduce our illustrious uh, Imperial Senate, uh, oh, that was pretty clever. Uh, uh, can you tell us about next week? Because we have a really, really awesome guest uh, next week that we just want to let everyone know about. Yeah, so we we had just wrapped up our Falcon and the Winter Soldier review series. So if you haven't checked that out, check that out. It's got a terrible name. You'll hear it uh, and see it in the podcast feed. And then for the next few episodes, we're doing a lot of kind of just random stuff, uh, catching up with friends, new uh, new guests, and some cool interviews. So we actually had next week, uh, we interviewed the writer of a new image comic series called The Good Asian, and he also wrote a series called Infidel a few years back for image comics. His name is Pornsack Pishoshu. Uh, very, very tough name to say, and I had to ask him five times, I think, before the interview. Can I say it right? I think, yeah, four or five times. Uh, one of the coolest, nicest comic creators slash TV writers uh, in the game. Dudes. Just dudes. What a great guy. What a great interview. Uh, I highly recommend you guys check out next week. It's such a fun conversation that we have with him about all things comics and noir and film and TV writing and all that stuff. So it's like a crash course if you want to get into any of those industries. So check that out. Joining us on this podcast is someone who is with us every episode, but kind of like a force ghost, but also he's kind of like the Chewbacca of this podcast Lucas P. Jones, welcome back, sir. <laughs> I've been practicing, waiting for my return. <laughs> a return that no one could have predicted, much like a similar character in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> that might be one of the uh, one of the few salty comments on this podcast because this is you're looking at. Hold on. Six people who absolutely love Star Wars. Sorry, I had to count how many people we have on the <laughs> podcast. Because we are joined from the, well, I guess if there was a state close to Tatooine, it would be California. Um, as compared to New York and New Jersey. Uh, first, we have the Han Solo of our hearts, Cat Manos, the Pop Breaks music editor. How are you, man? 
the fact that I'm the Han Solo of this podcast, like I, I could die tomorrow. That's the most wonderful thing anyone's ever said. First, don't. <laughs> Secondly, you have dressed as Han Solo for Halloween and it was excellent. So it's true. I did. I did. And I don't want to like be one of these people, but I handmade my costume. Whoa. I did. <laughs> I, I, I did. I did purchase the, the blaster gun and the holster, but everything else was handmade. So suck it. And suck it. We shall. Um, <laughs> joining her is who I would say is the Obi-Wan Kenobi of this podcast basically because he has the same colored beard as Ewan McGregor, and he's a pretty wise guy, Cole Rothacker. Welcome back, pal. Hello. Good to be back. You're also Scottish, like Ewan McGregor. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. I don't know what it, Monroe's character was. I was thinking the same thing. I was just thinking, like, because I'm he, with... I think, I think Monroe might be, like, the Darth Vader of the group, I think. <laughs> yeah. I think. <laughs> what? By the way, Monroe, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, I did not sanction that. And finally, the man most excited to be on this podcast. So that's why I'm going to call him the Luke Skywalker of this podcast. Ken Grand Pierre, host of Oh crap, I totally forgot. the new exchange with Ken Grand Pierre. I almost called it the serious exchange with Ken Grand Pierre. <laughs> that's the sequel series. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'll take Luke Skywalker, especially green lightsaber Luke Skywalker. I'll take that on that. Speaking of lightsabers, before we get into this podcast, I made the best discovery on the face of the planet today. If you listen to any of the official Star Wars orchestral music, your status bar on songs is actually a lightsaber. So it starts out as the, you know, your lightsaber handle as it goes along, it just lights up. Now I did do the experiment where I tried different, I tried the Imperial marks to see if it would be red like Vader. No, they didn't go that far, but it's still <laughs> really, really cool. I don't know if it's just for the May the 4th week, but it blew my mind. So Bill, I was going to make a joke that you're the R5D4 of the podcast. Yeah. The, the, the droid that uh, Luke almost bought from the Jawas. Oh, I'm, I'm, yeah. No, I'm Wicked the Ewok, my favorite Star Wars character. I know. So, easily swayed by small pieces of cracker. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> I'm swayed by food. So, um, Yes, we are here because uh, the day after we record, this is May the 4th, which is a huge thing. Of course, Disney Plus is releasing The Bad Batch, um, the new animated series. But we're going to be talking about all things Star Wars. If you don't think this Imperial Senate of a podcast is not going to go ham and deep when we're talking books and comics and cards and collectibles, you are sorely mistaken because this is just going to be one intergalactic geek out. And I am here for it. So let's kick this off. And we're going to be having some aptly named segments, all named by me, because I will finally take credit for something. Uh, the first is going to be a little little throwback to our Mando series, which is the opening scroll. Of course, if you don't know what the opening scroll is, that's the opening to every Star Wars film where it just explains the plot of what you're going to see. So the opening scroll question for you guys is, how are you introduced to Star Wars? 
So, Luke, I'm going to send it to you first. And I meant Luke Skywalker, Ken Grandpierre, just oh. being there for a second, because I just realized what a dum-dum. There is a Luke on this podcast. Um, so, Ken, how are you first? Intro- how and when and by whom were you introduced to Star Wars by? Ooh, I was first introduced to Star Wars by my dad um, in the 90s during a time where they re-released them in theaters. I can't remember like what year it was, but I'm pretty sure I was like seven. So it must have been like 96 or 97. Yeah, and it's 96, I want to say, is when they started. Yeah. That. And I, you know what it was? It was an interesting thing where I remember seeing the commercial on TV, having no concept of like what it was, because, you know, being like six, you don't know anything else. And I remember telling my dad, like, hey, I want to see the Star Wars thing. And he kind of like took it like with a sense of pride of like, oh, okay, cool. So he took me. And that, I would say like, as much as I love movies, there's only like maybe a handful of like movie going experiences I can recall or remember like how I felt and what I thought. And the first time seeing the original Star Wars in theaters is one that I still remember. I still remember being a kid, uh, seeing the corvette the rebel corvette being chased by the star destroyer and seeing that like perspective on the screen i'm making hand motions by the way people are listening i'm like making the shape of a star i'm enjoying the shit out of it but i remember seeing that as a kid and just going like what the hell is this and i've been hooked ever since now do you remember the movie theater and where it was it was a movie theater in rockland county that doesn't exist anymore in an area of rockland called spring valley so in New York and um, suburban New York. And um, it, it was definitely like one of those old school type of movie theaters. Like if you ever seen any John, if you ever saw any John Hughes film and saw a movie theater, that's kind of like what it looks like. Oh, perfect. So Kat, going to go to you next. Your first experience with Star Wars, where you saw it and who introduced you to the films? <clears throat> yeah, this is something I've like thought about many times over the years and I could honestly say I don't remember a time before I saw Star Wars it's just like always been there um it was always on in the background my parents were always putting it on both my parents enjoyed Star Wars my older brother loved it and I just I feel like I have a memory of being like four or five like not even in school and at home and I don't know, like we're at the dinner table and the TV's on in the background. And I just really, really remember like Mark Hamill going, my name is Luke Skywalker and I'm here to rescue you. And I was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. I don't know why they're like that particular thing um, just like really, really sticks with me. But yeah, it's, Star Wars has always been there. I don't remember a time before like I could say like I've never seen Star Wars like I they were just always on mostly the first one um there are the a new hope I should say um yeah um but yeah yeah the 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 whole the whole trilogy um I loved the Ewoks as a kid and it wasn't until I was an adult that I realized people didn't like them and I was like why they're great um and I was always very scared of the second one uh, Empire Strikes Back, and I would close my eyes when um, uh, Han tore up that tom-tom. It, like, would really upset me every time. And then, like, the guts would pour out. It wasn't my favorite, but, um, yeah. Yeah, so Star Wars has always been there. Cole, what about you? 
Uh, yeah, so I think my intro to Star Wars is probably a bit different from most people's, and it's probably why for most of my life, uh, I wasn't really a Star Wars fan. Like, I wasn't not one, but it wasn't really my thing. Uh, when I was a kid, I was really into Back to the Future. That was sort of like my Star Wars. But the um, my intro to Star Wars was, I recall my mom rented Return of the Jedi. So that was the first Star Wars movie I saw. And I think she just rented it because it was the only one at the video store. And she just... Uh, yeah, like, I, I think she just bought it just to, like, put it on, but she wasn't a Star Wars fan at all. Uh, neither was my dad. Neither of them were. Um, they were just not into that sort of thing. Uh, but I remember my mom showed me Return of the Jedi. She said she liked the scene where Darth Vader took off his mask. <laughs> That's all I remember of that. And then I do remember, and I don't know why, maybe because at the time it would have been aggressively marketed towards me, but... I remember anticipating seeing Phantom Menace. Like, I remember I had, like, some book that they had put out that I was reading of it. And I had, like, Darth Maul sandals. And, uh, and I had a Jar Jar Binks figure that smelled like puke. Uh, <laughs> I read. <laughs> I just read. Was it from a Scholastic Book Fair? That's what I want to know. The book? Uh, I think so. It was like one of those, it was like Anakin's journal, and it was mostly pictures, and at the end Anakin's like, oh boy, here I go to space! <laughs> that would That is infinitely a better line than anything in The Phantom Menace, in my opinion. Yeah. I yeah. love that. That's such a strong implication. Like, I never assumed that young Anakin could read or write. Yeah. No. <laughs> he could have a journal. Yeah, no, it was, he could just be a mechanic. Yeah, he could just build C-3PO. And a pod racer. Yeah. But then my my dad took me to see Phantom Menace because I wanted to go see it. And he looked very bored. And then I fell asleep. And then I didn't really, like, fuck with Star Wars at all until uh, I think episode three came out. And my friends put on uh, the, the original trilogy. So I watched them maybe when I was like 14 and I thought they were okay at the time. Um, I like them a lot more now, but at the time I, I was just kind of indifferent to them. Um, so yeah, that was my star Wars experience. You found my, star Wars as an adult. My favorite thing is you're like, I didn't fucks with star Wars until I was older. I'm just like <laughs> line of the podcast right there. Uh, Lucas P Jones, Chewy. I'm just going to call you Chewy from now on for this podcast. When, uh, what about you? You're a, you're a diehard. So when did you start and who introduced you to it? Well, I want you to know that you can call me Chewy anytime. <laughs> Done. It could just be our little thing. Um, I made it weird. <laughs> oh no, it's not weird as long as you call me Chewy. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think I can share, um, share Kat's perspective where I don't really remember a time without it. I know my dad got me into it. Um, I remember seeing the re-release of the original trilogy. I remember my first anticipation was the Phantom Menace of like, oh, it's it's coming back. Um, and I think I remember that because that was what got me into Star Trek was because of the gap between the Phantom Menace and the re-release of Star Wars. And I said, well, if it's got Star in it, it's probably pretty good. Uh, little did I know that that was going to kick off a uh, 
lifetime of science fiction addiction. Um, but yeah, so I would say, I would say it's, it's always been there. I remember it's like Star Wars micro machines and like weird branded Star Wars, like video games that weren't good. And I still have the Star Wars Naboo Starfighter game for N64. It does not hold up. Uh, it's very bad. Um, but Star Wars Pod Racer holds up. I will tell you that much. I still play that on N64. So yeah, I would say it's been uh, been there for forever almost. For me, uh, much like you guys, it's been very long since uh, I could remember a time without Star Wars. I remember I first saw it on HBO, I believe. Um, and it was Return of the Jedi. And it, how long ago this was, was Star Wars was on HBO. And I still had turn like knobs on my TV. That's how long ago this was, guys. I'm the oldie here. And um, I, I you always, still have turn knobs on your TV. I probably do. Uh, on my Amazon Fire TV. I just yep. install knobs for my grill, my old grill. <laughs> I just put them on there just for nice. nostalgia's sake. But it was the scene, and I'll never forget why I always remember. It was the scene with, well, it's during the, the battle at the Death Star, and it's Akbar in his seat. That is my first memory of Star Wars is Akbar. Yes. So I'm just always like, this Mon Calamari just yelling, it's a trap, is my, like how that became everyone's meme. That was my moment. That was my moment for Star Wars. And from there, because they would bounce around, so I never knew the timeline. So I'm like, well, like, so when I saw all of Jedi, I'm like, wait, why is Luke Skywalker destroying the Death Star again? Because I was watching him out of order. I'm like, none of this makes sense, Dad. And he's just like, all right, let me explain some things to you. Because he saw it in the theater originally with my oldest cousin and his dad, who was like a former boxer who's like, I don't know why I'm watching this shit. He walked out of it. It's like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, so, yeah, it's always been there. And I grew up as a fan when there was like, like I became a hardcore fan in between um, like when the, when Jedi came out and uh, like post that and pre prequels. So it was like, I would get the random star Wars toys. Like here's this old ass bendable Luke Skywalker. You found at a rummage sale for a buck. That was, those are mine or like old ass comic books because there was nothing out. And, and now everywhere you look, and we'll talk about the random stuff you can get for Star Wars now that we own later in the podcast. But that is how I first discovered it. Now, let us go on to our next segment, which is The Force is Strong with this one. Fine. I don't have to say mine. Oh, shit. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I feel like that's going to happen a lot in this podcast. There's too many of us. Uh, quickly, well, I will say. Al, where did you? No, you always say quickly, and it never is. So, where? All right. So, quick, longly. Uh, no, I. I think mine's a little mit- like mashup of everyone. So re release is what, 97? Yeah, in the roughly, theaters? Roughly 97. Yeah. Something like that. So I think randomly, like I like my sister and my mom were doing something. So my me and my dad had to kill time and like we went to the theater. I think it was Empire, but I had never seen them. So I he just took me, didn't not even knowing like, you know, this isn't the first one you have to see. And I remember I don't, I just remember that moment, but I don't remember any like watching the movie, but I guess I liked it enough to say to my parents or probably my mom at the time, like, can we rent those? Like, can we get those in a video store? So we rented all three of them. And I think I remember watching them like all in a row and I was like, this is the best thing ever. But I wasn't as like, I guess 
at the time wasn't as like obsessive about things as I am now. And I don't think it really came back around until the, the prequels are coming out. And I remember like that was the first movie like pre, I think like pre Harry Potter where kids were talking about going to see it. Like that was how big it was like, Oh my God, star Wars is coming out. So I remember that, um, that was pretty much my introduction. Oh, and I will say that seeing, I want to say, I want to say attack of the clones. I think time-wise it makes sense. So pumped for this movie to come out, like really excited. We go to the theater in Manahawken at the Regal, the, one of the worst theaters in the world. I've been there. It sucks. We go there, packed theater, and power goes off like two minutes into the movie, and they had to move us all to another theater. I remember that. That happened in my screening of Attack of the Clones. It was. I think it's opening I, day. The, the movie was trying to kill itself. I think that was opening why. day. It goes. It does the does the Lucasfilm. It goes. Yeah. And me and my bunch of jackass friends. What do we do? Cackle laughing because all of a sudden you just a lot of angry. <gasps> Like one guy got up and threw his popcorn out and goes, son of a bitch. And he just got so angry and he walked, stormed out and like so big, some real big mad energy happening there. I was like, Oh my God. And it was, I think we had like a 20 minute delay and then we like, then it came up and we started watching it. But yeah, attack of the clones. It was trying to tell us something guys. Yep. So let's get into our segment that I prematurely introduced called the force is strong with this one, which is basically a question of what is it about Star Wars that has kept you a, f- a fan for so long that like you've come on to this podcast to talk about how much you love Star Wars. So Al, since I skipped you, I'm going to start with you. And he's going to be like, please skip me because I don't have my. No, phone. no, I just, I, it's just such an interesting question, even though that you gave it to us in advance and I really didn't prepare for this podcast as usual. Uh I, I think the thing that I love the most about Star Wars is it is one of those films, it's nothing like quite like it, but because of how built out the world is and the futuristic aspects of it all, it's one of those films that I watch as like hope for the future, even though there is so much like destruction and all that kind of stuff. It's like, it's like the glimpse of the future that I would kind of want to live in. I don't know. It's just it just really absorbs you into that mindset. Whereas other films, I don't think like if you watch Blade Runner, you're like, I don't fucking want to live there. That, that looks miserable. Like it just, I don't know. It gives you a lot of hope, I guess. What it's Ryan a pretty answer, but it's an answer. I want Ryan Gosling's coat from 2049. Don't even joke about that. I've talked about this. No, it's not it. a joke. I would never joke about how awesome that coat is. I love that coat. Best coat ever. Especially in wow. Jersey. Yeah, we need it. Uh, Ken. Yeah, I think what it is for me, you know, I think a great example for how I feel overall is that if you think about the way people talk about the cantina scene, which is what, like maybe two, maybe three whole minutes of a scene, people talk about it with this reverence, with this intrigue, with this like real like in-depth interest. And I feel like that's so indicative of Star Wars as a whole, where there's just so many different levels of, um, you know, character design that, you know, lends itself to different stories. And, you know, obviously there's loads of fantasy. Like I love the Lord of the Rings books and movies, and there's a lot of like, you know, fantasy and like, you know, special stuff in that. But I feel like with Star Wars, 
from the very first time I've seen it and into now, it just feels like a living universe in a way that I just don't think a lot of other franchises have. Like, it's like, you know, I know some people don't like the old EU and that's its old can of worms. But what's interesting about that is how it really kind of took this thing that Star Wars does where like almost every side character could have a story. And I think even just with the movies, you get that. Like you see someone in the background and there's such a heavy attention to detail that it's like, wow, there has to be a story there. So that's what I really love about it. The fact that it just seems so boundless in creativity. Mm-hmm. It feels real. Like when you're watching it, you just feel like you're watching a documentary. Yeah. <laughs> I can't expect, no other movie feels that way. Like I don't, well, I don't feel that way watching Avengers. I'm like, I'm clearly seeing something that can't happen. It feels like you're watching a a film about history. You're like, oh, yeah. this is a <laughs> space World War Two movie. It's just a, oh, it's just a documentary. Uh, Lucas, um, Chewie, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I I really like the. Uh, I think for me, it's the expanded universe. Um, I think if you just watch, I guess it's the legends now. Um, if you're just watching the movies, uh, I mean, you're not even getting it at this point. It's there's so much richness and depth to the universe that honestly makes the movies seem thin and pale in comparison um, to the types of books that have come out over the years, the series, the way they've really built up the universe, the concepts behind it, filled in the gaps. Um, it used to be a running joke, at least with with Alan, some other people that, uh, oh, the the if you don't like the prequels, you, you got to read the books, man. You, you don't you don't watch the movie. You read the book first because you read the legit- Timothy Zahn books, right? <laughs> or the Timothy Zahn books. I mean, the literally the novelizations of the prequels are so mind bendingly good that you just wonder how the heck that happened. Um, so I feel like if you're not reading the books, you're missing out on. 95% of what the universe has to offer. Uh, for sure. me, for me, I look at it as it's just, you could go back to a movie that was made in 1977 and you can go to a movie that was released or a TV series that was streamed in 2020. And to me, they are equally as fantastical and creative and rich and believable everything you guys have said like there is this feeling of believability like al said and like ken and lucas have said there's this feeling of immense creativity but yet there's something like i guess because and it may you know as you view it as a kid there's still this um kind of simplicity to it like i don't know this like you still have that childlike wonder every time you watch it because it's so rich and creative and it never ceases to amaze you. Even we could bag on the prequels as much as we want. There's still a lot of really creative storytelling or just ideas there or even imagery that were like, wow, that if it was a good movie, this would be really great because, but your mind can, run away with stuff and the fact we're now seeing what 10 series and movies spun off of what we've seen um speaks to that so that's what it is it's just it's um just it's pure imagination and that's what i think is really cool and ken the cantina scene that you mentioned i mentioned my grandfather before that was the scene that's one of his favorite scenes of movies of all time he watched that my dad looked at him his jaw just dropped because you could not believe what he was seeing 
he spent enough time in bars. He knows things. Um, <laughs> so, Cat and Call, I'm going to close out with you guys. What is it about this series, this oh, Fran, this universe, let's just say? The fact we have a holiday, a like, quote-unquote holiday for it, you know? <laughs> um, I think it's two things for me, two different things. One, if there is a, like, quick-witted, snappy scoundrel on a spaceship, I am interested. Um, I will watch a movie i will read anything with that premise i love it's why i really enjoyed firefly once upon a time it reminded me so much of star wars and um i love science fiction and stuff like that um but on top of it the the second reason why i really love star wars is honestly like the mysticism um i really love the idea of the force and something being inside of you and if you like hone it or you you like tap into the force this thing inside of you you could make things move and you could like bring about goodness in the world and I don't know philosophically that's always been very interesting to me and as a kid I was like you know I think I have the force like I I can sense things sometimes um and I don't know like I really like that and you don't see that in a lot of like like, like what else is like a, a super, super popular franchise that has like, like Buddhist mysticism in it other than Star Wars? Like, I, I can't really think of anything. Um, Fast but, and the Yes, Fast and the Furious. <laughs> it's all about family. <laughs> at, its, at its core. Yeah. Like, and the Corona. Cor- living, your, uh, living your life one parsec of a time. Yes. <laughs> it's a quarter parsec at a time. Listen, I'm saying one. Uh, Cole. Uh, yeah, so I feel like my answer needs some qualifiers because as I illustrated earlier, I wasn't really a fan of Star Wars for a long time. Um, like when I was a kid and a teenager, and I mean, well into college and adulthood, I was pretty indifferent to it. Although I will say, I think the thing that sort of started to turn me around on it was, I think I was still in high school, or I might have been at the very end of middle school. They came out with this, like, book that I got at the library. It, it was, like, this big, like, very thick book. I think it was called, just called The Making of Star Wars. It was, it was, like, a big coffee table book. And I just kind of got it, like, on a whim because I was getting really interested in, like, filmmaking and stuff like that. And even though I didn't really have any sort of affinity towards Star Wars at the time, I did read this book like from cover to cover and found it like very, very fascinating. And it actually gave me a whole different appreciation for the first Star Wars movie that I didn't have before. So that kind of got me turned around on it. Um, Just, you know, it just occurred to me that like this thing that is like this big franchise, even back then in 2007 and especially now, but like kind of reading about how they made the first movie back then, it just struck me how it's, it's, it's such like an analog movie and it's just really, it was like barely held together. It's not like a polished piece of thing. It's just, they, they put it together with like Band-Aid and, and gum and like, it just, just barely works by the skin of its ass. Um <laughs> And that kind of endeared the movie to me. Um, And I don't know. I think what I like about it now is a couple different things. One, I've, you know, over the the last few years, especially, 
I've met, I, I have friends and I've met people who are different, uh, you know, they're different from me. They, they have a different background. They're from a different generation. They have a different, you know, they're from a different part of the world or they have a different orientation or belief or, or whatever. And, but they all like Star Wars and they all like different parts of it. And that, that's actually like very fascinating to me. I, I know people that really love the prequels because they watched them when I, when they were kids, mm -hmm. which I did too. And like, I don't feel that nostalgic to them because when I was a kid, I thought they were very boring and stupid. You fell but, asleep, you know, over yeah, the first one. I, I fell asleep during the first one and then I never watched them again for six years. Um, but, you know, I, I, I do have to appreciate how it seems to speak to so many different sorts of people. And, you know, that to me, I think is, uh, I don't know. Like, I, I just, I think that's great. I think it's great that there's something about it for everyone. Um, and I, and I think me personally, why I kind of like it now and I'll get into it later, but you know, I, like I, I've come around on the movies in recent years, but I really liked the Mandalorian a lot. And one of the reasons was because it took the world of star Wars and did it in kind of a different genre than the movies had been. And I, and I think one of the things that had been like kind of hard for me to get into the movies is I'm not really into fantasy or war movies that much. Uh, and that, that's pretty much what the, the OT and the prequels and, and the, the new Disney movies, that's all they are. They're, they're all kind of the same sort of a movie. Um, but, you know, the Mandalorian was kind of more like, like a spaghetti Western and then Akira Kurosawa movie and it had like all these different influences going on. It was in like a totally different genre. And that to me is kind of, that was like a huge in for me just because I really liked the world of Star Wars and I like the potential of it and the way it can wear different genres, like, you know, a coat or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, like you could do a horror movie or you could do a Western or you could do, any sort of thing you can in that world. I, I don't think they've done it so much, at least in the stuff that I've seen, like maybe they have in books and comics. Um, there, but, we're definitely getting our Sopranos in space with uh, Book of Boba. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that's that's what I like. I just want like X movie, but Star Wars. That's I that's think, all I want. Um, and I think Andar, uh, that Andor, Cassie and Andar. I think that show is going to be more of a spy type series. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. But I'm just hoping for that Dave Filoni buddy cop, uh, Rangers of the New Republic. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah. Let's make it a two chubby X Wing pilots flying <laughs> around the galaxy, crack of jokes. Having I'm some there. Oh, dude. Well, yeah. they shit came Cara Dune from that, uh, from that series of. Let's let's just have that, guys. You want to fix that show? Just make it those guys is bombing around the universe. Um, yeah. and, and Cara Dune's like very progressive sister. <laughs> Lara Dune. Lara. <laughs> yeah, Lara. Lara Dune played by Ronda Rousey. Because there's no, just like, God, the next no. MMA fight. No, isn't isn't she also like transphobic too? Uh, Probably. Yeah. Uh, well, no. What's her name? Everyone was trying to to fan cast. Uh, what's her name? Which would be great because it's basically like a better version of 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 uh, the girl who played Cara Dune, uh, Zena, Warrior Princess. Oh, oh yeah, Lucy Lawless. Yeah. All of a sudden, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's Lara Dune, and it's Lucy Lawless. 
Let's just do it. Larry, dude. Larry, dude. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, the name of the podcast should be The Legend of Lara Dune. Yeah. You could you could borrow that one for free, John Favreau. Yeah, Sometimes. you got this. You could just, just probably just make me uh just make me an extra one of those. That'd be great. Uh, <laughs> let's go into our next one. Actually, make everyone on this podcast in that uh an extra. Let's go to Nerf Herder Alert. Uh, what is the most random slash nerdiest Star Wars thing you have owned or currently own? Um, I'll start. Um, I have this really rad. I have two things. I have a baby Yoda spatula that my wife found for like three bucks at home goods. And then I have this baby. I have this really cool retro that no one can see on an audio podcast, Mm -hmm. but this very cool, like retro star Wars attack on the death star type face mask that I wear constantly. I do wash it. Uh, I wear quite often. Uh, I think that those are my most random, Star Wars things we own outside of various baby Yoda hand, you know, soap dispensers and stuff that my daughter loves. <laughs> Kat, you've just wheeled something in that I am completely fascinated by. What, what is this? Uh-huh. I don't think it's a wheel necessarily. No, wheeled a, it in. So I, I can guess what that is, but I'm going to let okay. Kat say it. So good. Um, I have a gigantic cardboard cutout of BB-8 because I love him. <laughs> Who doesn't? Yeah, Cole got it for me when I was literally when I was sad one day. (laughs) The best boyfriend ever. Yeah, I was at a store. I knew it was there. I I had it in my back pocket for when (laughs) you were really sad one day, so I went and got it. I like Amazing. how you just like say that with food in your mouth, like, yeah, it's no big deal. I just got it. No, that's the sweetest goddamn thing. Yeah. This this BB 8, he's about. He's like a life size BBA. He's he's four feet tall, five, three and a half, probably three and a half feet tall. Um, We love him. And he's very, he's very sweet. This is BB-8 from Force Awakens. It says down here, Star Wars and Force Awakens. Um, We love him. And sometimes our, our cat has a bad habit of peeing on our couch. So to deter her, we put BB-8 up on the couch and she doesn't go on it. Somewhere yeah, there's a marketing person BB-8. listening to this podcast be like, cat piss preventer BB. <laughs> the one Star Wars product they haven't made yet. Oh, God. It's uh, in production now, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I love I love him. I can't think of one I would have. Maybe my Darth Maul sandals. I, I, I wore those a <laughs> I mean, yes, yes. I wore yes. those a lot when I was a kid. Now, wait, um, is, 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 is just trying to guess here. So it's two sandals. Is it half of his body on one sandal and half on the other? No, it was just like his face. They were like open-toed Velcro sandals for children. <laughs> I love it. Um, well, you have some like Mando figures. I have a Mando figure. I don't think. Oh, that's but it'd be no. Figure. The the, the yeah. sandals win, man. <laughs> I have I have a I have a very dorky Mandalorian cap. I got at Disneyland. Oh yeah. Yeah. Find that and we'll go around till you find it. Uh, Lucas. I, 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 go, I go could ahead. imagine something that has to do with alcohol or meat. <laughs> um, so I think the weirdest thing. Or nerdiest. Yeah, I, I think it's. So I think I've definitely owned like a lot of random stuff, but the, the weird, the nerdiest or like most offbeat thing I definitely have, something I found recently. <clears throat> as I was moving boxes uh, out of my mom's attic because I'm an adult and I can 
put my own stuff in my own place. Um, I own a home, but I still have stuff in my mom's house. (laughs) It's it's maybe like two feet tall, uh, silver, chrome-ish, Darth Vader Pez dispenser. Nice. But it it dispenses full packs of Pez because of its large size. Um, So you open it and it comes out a full sleeve of Pez? Pack of Pez. You can use it to then fill smaller, lesser Pez. I wouldn't. I would just start eating the whole thing of Pez in one bite. Because I don't know if you guys have ever eaten Pez. It's the dumbest idea ever. Like, it's the smallest piece of candy. You open it up like, what? Just give me a big fucking Pez. I think it's for children now. Well, oh, is it though? Now, now you can. Wait, no, 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 no. That's an actual question. Have you ever tried putting the Pez packet into a Pez container? Yeah, it's but that's impossible. It's not. Well, so this it. is I, like, I fail at most things in life, and I can. It's tough. That. This is, I think, the the hidden genius of the Darth Vader Pez dispenser. Do you also fumble with individual tiny candies? No more. Now it's like <laughs> slide the entire thing in like a like a round into an M1 Garand and slam the chamber shut. I didn't even know what that reference was, but okay. Fast and the furious. Oh, okay. Um, so I think like off podcast, Al's going to be like, how much do you want for that? Yeah. Uh, you know you didn't give me a housewarming present. Uh, yeah, she public did. Public credits don't work on me. <laughs> I'm going to give him an M1 round grenade or whatever the fuck he said. Uh, uh, <laughs> wait, wait. I got a quick one because I actually found it. It's no, I guess the reference Cole has oh, Cole's his Mando hat. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Oh. Yeah, it's pretty good. I like it. That's cool. Yeah. It doesn't need the sandals, it's, though. It's definitely better than my Jar Jar Binks figure that had like a weird had like a weird plasticky smile when I was a kid. It would make me like very nauseous like all the time. <laughs> Like, I think you and the general public had a problem, felt the same way about that character, Ken. Oh, you, you know, sorry. I just remembered one thing I had. It's definitely the weirdest thing I ever had. It was I was in the UK and they have Cocoa Pops or something. And they had a Jar Jar Binks toy in it. It was like this plastic beige colored thing. It had like a tongue that hung out of it that you could like you could like flip it and it would like stick to, to the wall and stuff. And it got so hairy and shitty and gross. Oh yeah. Like those sticky hands. Oh yeah. yeah. My daughter had those. They last for like five minutes and then yeah. they're the grossest thing in history. Yeah. <laughs> Much like a baby. <laughs> uh, um, I love yourself. If you hear this 10 years from now, uh, Ken, do you You've definitely owned some. I, I can guarantee you've owned some very unusual Star Wars stuff in your time. Oh, absolutely. Well, the geekiest thing that I currently have, it's actually two things. I have uh, three Mighty Pugs, if you remember those, that uh, sit on my desk like the toys. Uh, I have a Chewbacca, Captain Rex, and Biggs Darklighter. You know, a nice little trifecta. And when I'm like working throughout the day, I just kind of give them a nod. It's like, yeah, guys, good. And <laughs> <laughs> The weird thing that I have is actually kind of lovely. Um, during the first year, uh, me and my girlfriend were together. You know, when you like are in that position where you have to like, get the person a birthday gift. And obviously it's like, you know, you know them, but not well enough to know exactly what they'd be into. But you kind of just are cherry picking. So I remember my for, uh, the first birthday we spent together, my girlfriend got me. I'm sure people listening because it's a podcast, they'll know of me undies. 
She got me a pair of Meundies <laughs> that were Star Wars themed. So. I was waiting for someone to pull, hey, I have Star Wars underpants. And I'm like, yeah. The waiting. pattern's really cool, though. I have no idea where they are, which is kind of scary because, you know, underwear should just be in your dresser. But <laughs> <laughs> What's on them? What do they look like? They're blue, and it's, like, cartoon uh, illustrations of, like, different characters, mostly, like, the droids, Vader, and Stormtroopers, and Leia. Those are the ones I could definitely remember. But it looks cool. I remember it looks cool. Are they uh, are they boxers, or are they... <laughs> oh, they're completely boxers. Come on. I prefer the boxer brief. Just throwing That's that out. I mean... I mean, it helps to breathe. It's nice, but they're boxers. We don't have heat ones in this house. Oh, well, well, at least you're not... Oh. See with the background. Oh, so cute. Okay. They are actually. <laughs> I love that. I don't know where they are today. Fuck I, 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 hope, I hope she did like the slingshot. It seems yeah. like just it. I had. I almost like... had to duck. That's amazing. They look great. They're cute. I would wear those. I'd rock those. Yeah. I didn't realize Yoda and Chewbacca were here. And Chewbacca, like, oh, no one really ever stares at underpants, to be honest. Oh, my God. Chewbacca's face. Wow. Yeah, they're pretty cool. I, uh, the the comic timing on that. Tell your girlfriend. Tell your girlfriend. That was. I don't know where they are. Right in the face. Oh, God. (laughs) One thing I used to own was actually a gift from Lucas. It was a it was a housewarming gift from my last house. And I don't know if you remember this. I'm sure he does. But he actually got uh, he got me um me and my wife, who was a my girlfriend at the time, um bath towels. And it was Luke and Leia. Like it was m- like minimalistic like their silhouettes. And one said I love you and the other one said I know. Oh, I have Prince. It's Han and Leia, not Luke. It should not be Luke. Oh, sorry, Luke and Leia. Hey, listen, it actually it would have worked from the first movie, but no, it was Han and Leia. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, two beers in. Um, Han and Leia, very cute. Uh, they were white towels, so they didn't last that long, but they lasted long enough, and I always appreciate that gift. I think it is very meticulous. I know. Well, the, the other one, because I just found it because I, I have somewhat of a bookshelf here. My sister used to work for a company where they'd send um, like advanced copies of books to for like to review on the site or whatever. And a lot of stuff would end up in like the free bin. So she would the amount of books that she has. She has like a like bell style library of books. Ooh in boxes in a garage somewhere because she got all these free books (laughs) so anytime she saw something nerdy she would give it to me i've never opened this book but i just love the concept of of it and the idea it's called star wars propaganda and it's (laughs) wait wait and it's it's a history of persuasive art in the galaxy and there's actual 10 like uh propaganda posters so like one of them is like remember Alderaan, never forget. Um, <laughs> like never too young to do your part. Like all these like like forties war style, like uh, World War II style propaganda posters. Huh. I so, feel like Lucas has so many things he wants to say because of this. Right? Like I have. Is that all art that is in the movies? I honestly I don't know, but I'm gonna have to read this now, and I will let you know. I feel like some it of cool. it. Some of it might be because I feel like Solo definitely well, has so, a recruiting so it, station. So I couldn't. That's the thing. So it came 
This was trademarked 2016. Right. So I was going to open this up while you guys talk. Uh, I also owned, I owned the record. Nice. I owned the record narrated by Ro- actor Roscoe Lee Brown of the first Star Wars movie where it was like my uncle had it was like one of those things you would get like from a Columbia house from back in the day. And you would have the big booklet and you would read it and you would listen to like the, the record and it'd be like, boop. And it, like, that's when you knew to turn the page from the book. I remember listening to that and that thing, I can still smell it. It was very, it was just mildew, but it was just like, yeah, it was definitely like that. So it was one of the more random things I used to own. I'm sure my mom like deep six that at some point. Um, but that was another thing. So Al, how's are anything from the movies? Yeah, so so I think Cole and Lucas will find this super, all of you will find this super interesting. Interesting, but I think uh, so. It's written as like if this is history. So so it's like you know there's like famous painters of like the time, and like they've won all these like awards and it's all like made up like within the the Star Wars universe. So it's pretty interesting. I gotta read. I'm gonna have to do a deep dive in this, but they put a lot of work into it. Uh, I will just now be reading on the podcast, much like he has. Guys, I can't do the rest of the podcast. Sorry. He's like, much like how he has gambled and uh, priced out soul comic books on this podcast. I do it all. Does it all? Uh, so let's go to um, a Star Wars story, which, of course, we know is the subtitle we have for a number of different movies uh, that were non. Skywalker Saga original nine. Uh, so I guess that's the question. What is your favorite non original nine piece of Star Wars film or television? Now, this does encompass a lot, including the infamous Star Wars Christmas special, uh, the Ewok adventure, and those which you can now find in the uh, on Disney Plus I, under like Star Wars legends or icons. I can't remember that. Of course, that includes Rogue One. Solo, Mando, whole bunch of stuff. So, guys, I think this might be a layup, but Kat, I'm going to start with you. What's your favorite non nine, the original nine? What's your favorite piece of uh, content from there? Okay. So, this could be cheating slash not answering the question, but I thought about this for a long time. And it also could be a book, too. I'm just going to put yeah. it. Okay. I, I personally believe that. Um, criticism in itself could be an art. So my favorite Star Wars related, but not exactly Star Wars piece of criticism is uh, Red Letter Media's review of the prequel <laughs> series. And this might this might be cheating, but... Well, two I, of the people on this podcast are cracking up, so I don't <laughs> think it's cheating at all. Okay. And you um, also have now given me an out for my answer, so we're good. Okay, it's very, good. It's very on brand for cut. <laughs> um, for for the people who don't know, um, uh, Red Letter Media is an uh, online YouTube series, and back in t- 2010, maybe 2009, um, they released an like hour and a half long uh, breakdown of the first prequel and like why it was bad and how it could have been good. Um, 
And the, everyone involved is like a big Star Wars fan. And uh, you could kind of blame them for the creation of the video essay and for like the success of YouTube, because pretty, ev- pretty much every video essay you've ever seen stems from this initial video essay. Um, it's really, really funny. It really breaks down what works and what doesn't work about the prequels. But the reason I'm choosing it is because they, they have continued on. They also reviewed um, just the, the entire prequel trilogy. Um, and uh, particularly, I think the third one uh, really just kind of breaks down like what doesn't work about the prequels, what could have worked, but more importantly, what makes Star Wars so amazing and what is like so beautiful about it and like why it's so meaningful that that Yoda tells Luke like do or do, or do not, there is no try. It's like, it's just, it's really beautiful. And I kind of watch it like once a year um, because it just makes me really happy. And yeah, a lot of it is kind of like shitting on Star Wars and also shitting on Star Wars fans um, in some ways. But it also just makes me really happy because it's made with a lot of love. Um, and if if you haven't seen it, I, I would recommend it. I think it has held up remarkably well after, you know, being 10 years on the internet. Um, but yeah, that's my favorite Star Wars adjacent thing that isn't part of the original nine movies all right so cole now the cat has adjusted the game a little bit uh which is totally fine um your favorite piece of non-original trilogy star wars media or thing books movies whatever that you really that you really enjoy yeah um like i said like i i think probably most of my favorite star wars things are not any of the main movies, although I do like most of the main movies quite a bit. Um, like I would, I'd probably say the original Star Wars is my favorite of, of the, the nine movies. Right. Um, but, but outside of that, um, definitely Mandalorian, you know, that was like something that was just really, really up my alley because I really like Sergio Leone spaghetti Westerns and samurai movies and all that stuff. So that movie was just, or that show was just super appealing to me. That character was super appealing to me, just like an extremely stoic man with, with no face who um, is willing to get his hands dirty, but also values life and, and um, (laughs) things like that. That's just, that's very much for me. Um, Other than that, I would say um, I, I like, some of the other movies, like I, I know some people didn't like this one, but I actually did enjoy most of Solo, and I enjoyed a lot of Rogue One, even though I could tell I that it was like half of a movie. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I, I really, I'm one of the few people who really likes Rogue One. Yeah, yeah, like I can, I like I watch it, and I'm like, okay, like this is like barely a movie, but <laughs> yeah, the, the parts of it that are a movie are very good. I really like. Uh, Who's that? Who's the blind guy? Um, Donnie Yen. Donnie Yen. Yeah, I I love his character. He how he was doing like kind of a Zatoichi thing. Uh, love that. Uh, I I really like uh, the Star Wars Clone Wars, not the CG series, but the the two D one that was on Cartoon Network. You say the guy's day. name? Uh, Gendy Tartakovsky. Thank you. 
I love yeah. that man. I yeah. love that man so much. Yeah. Oh, he did Samurai Jack. Yeah, you know, me working in animation, obviously, like I- I'm a big fan of Gendy Tartakovsky, so, so I love that just, lab. That just went to I think they added some of that to Disney Plus recently. Yeah, they added it all actually. Oh because um, wow. it was like a it was like a micro series. I, I remember when they aired on Cartoon Hour, it was, they were literally like two or three minutes a piece. Um, but they've kind of collected them into these two one hour each. Uh, and it was like notoriously thing. impossible to find unless you had like the original DVD that came out. Yeah, no, I remember I guess, earlier this year, I was trying to find it on DVD and they're like, it's like over a hundred dollars, but now it's on Disney Plus. So like when I tried those, to, those people are all screwed <laughs> trying to sell them. Um, Ken, I'm sure you got some deep cut stuff in there. Books, films, whatever. What do you got? Ooh, well, everyone said ha- has said my favorite thing so far. I love that Clone Wars series. I love the Mandalorian, obviously. I am also someone who deeply loves Rogue One, so I'm right there with you, Bill. Yes. I'm gonna say something that's gonna make Lucas smile, but um, tag and motherfucking bink, tag and bink. Yeah, he's smiling. And for people listening who are like, "What the fuck is that?" Including the people who are on this chat. Yeah, Tag and Bink was a Dark Horse comic series, which essentially took the concept of what if uh, two background characters in Star Wars are who we followed, but they're bumbling idiots and they happen to be in every major event. So, for example, in Return of the Jedi, when the Emperor has the two royal guards, that ends up being Tag and Bink. And they somehow found themselves in this situation and now they have to get out of it because Vader and Luke are fighting and the Emperor is being evil. And you know that part in Return of the Jedi where like the Emperor is like, leave us. And the two guards go behind the elevator. In the comic, they're like, oh, fuck. I thought there was another door here. Shit. <laughs> oh, my God. I need this in my life, man. I, yeah. I, need yeah. I, I actually do know about them. I, I read about them in Wizard Magazine, I think, when it came out. and mm-hmm. But that concept always appealed to me, even back then when I was in my kind of the Star Wars yeah. Phase, so. They recently reprinted it because I've seen it like digging through comics and, and shops and stuff. So I know they've actually yeah. like, reprinted actually, it. I just saw that Things from Another World, which is owned by Dark Horse. So maybe. Wait a minute. Things from Another World is owned by Dark Horse? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I know that. The, 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 yeah. the shop, the comic shop. Yeah. Yeah. If you go to the one in Universal City Walk, it's just all Dark Horse stuff everywhere. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Think so. And other stuff. But mostly Dark Horse. Tag and Bing sounds like Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. It's just like, why haven't you adapted that? That is that is the vibe. And I'll just say one more thing, too. Another deep cut. Uh, My favorite Jedi in all of Star Wars is one that, like, I think he appeared in the background in one of the films, but he's only really in the comics and the books. And that's Mr. Quinlan Voss, who's a super badass who is essentially in the Clone Wars. Um, he's essentially like one of Obi-Wan's best friends. He grew up with Obi-Wan. And during the Clone Wars, he goes as a double agent to find out what Count Dooku is doing. And he's a Jedi who's always been susceptible to the dark side, but in a little bit more of a primal way. So that was always interesting to read because you could see it in a more raw way of him dealing with the dark side and really going into it in a more versatile way than Anakin did. And then the people, the Jedi actually proactively trying to get him out of it. So it's almost kind of like when you read that series, because, you know, 
Anakin and Darth Vader is always a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm-hmm. You kind of got this viewpoint of what the Jedi could have done and what that would have looked like kind of happening on an overt level. And he had an apprentice, Ayla Secura, who had, was, was a blue alien. She was in that Clone Wars series, the 2D one. And yeah, super compelling, interesting Jedi character. Couple questions about that. What what's the timeline of that? He so what's interesting with him is he was in the prequels, like that's the time he existed, but there's like books and comics with him prior to Phantom Menace and and over the course of like the prequel films and the Clone Wars and stuff like that. Really fascinating guy. There's an omnibus of just his, his comics and they're really great. I was thinking like, uh, what about uh could he show up in the Kenobi series? You know, he didn't, I mean, I think in Order 66, they allude that he died. No, actually, he's, well, I think prior to Disney buying, he survived. He did survive Order 66, so. There's a rumor that he's going to be in the Bad Batch series. That would make sense. It would really make sense. I think he shows up in the uh, 3D Clone Wars. I've seen, like, maybe 50% of the Clone Wars, so I haven't seen all of it, but I wouldn't be surprised if he showed up, because he's, like, one of those super fit for the fans who read like the comics of the books he's like pretty much like the han solo of a jedi like he's like up there with what everybody loves we're talking still be talking about quinlan boss sorry yeah okay. i mean that yeah then again the Han solo jedi really is kyle Katarn, but you know there's just yep. Han Solo is an architect uh jedi kyle lucas um so i think uh, a lot of uh, a lot of people already alluded to a bunch of it i mean i think solo is the best of those odd movies um you defended that hard on the podcast we did yeah years ago it disney disney ultimately did that movie a disservice and i think that that is the turning point of my relationship with disney as the rights holder for star wars uh, but that's a longer discussion for another oh another god that, that's um, about three fingers of scotch that we don't yeah. have <laughs> let me get the scotch out of the fridge um <laughs> I think, and we've, we've already talked about the Thrawn trilogy. That just got a reprint, right, Al? Uh, you said that to me the other day. Got a, like, a um, cover reprint? Yeah, they just I just saw something about Thrawn recently. Yeah, so right now, because it was announced that he's going to be in the Ahsoka series or, you know, he's got a, a, a future, just prepare for an onslaught of Thrawn-related stuff, like Heir to the Empire, which is what, the book, the original book? And then the comic series, like the, his first appearance is just like an astronomical like purchase right now. Because I think and I it have, was I have very those, affordable like last year. I think I have those original paperbacks floating around somewhere. Um, those are not worth anything. But oh no, the, I will be keeping those forever. <laughs> I know. Um, I think I think I'm going to give you an option here. I think the best multi-book piece of content that's come out is the Yunsen Vong overarching series. Um, it's gotta be somewhere in like 20 books and there are some long ones in there but it's a rotating series of three authors who collaborated and created this like around 20 book storyline um of extra galactic invaders that can't be felt through the force um so it, it was an attempt to like really try to limit the jedi and like limit what they do um, and provide like an actual threat for the first time. And I think that the expanded universe, um, you see some, some solo children, some Skywalker children um, and a lot of people die, which was like a, a first two for like that series. A lot of main characters they spend, will spend 20 books setting them up and then just kill them. 
Um, there's some cool stuff at the end. I think the payoff is completely worth it. Um, it probably would have been a good book series to recommend at the beginning of quarantine, not at the end. Um, <laughs> I think it's still worth it. Um, if you want a good single book, though, Outbound Flight is a really good one. Um, yes, Cole. That's for Cole. Yeah, it's a it's a single book. It's they send a bunch of Jedi Masters to try to map the edge of the galaxy and go beyond it. So if you want a single book, Outbound Flight. If you want like a multi book, uh, the Yuzi mm. story arc it for sure is is I think the best piece of content ever written for Star Wars. And we won't spoil what happens in Outbound Flight, but essentially it starts out in one tone and shifts to another, almost like a horror film. And honestly, oh, it's, it's gonna starts like a horror film, ends like a slapstick comedy. horror in terms of like suspense and it's very, very good. It would be the okay. single, like in terms of like something that Disney could take from the old EU and just make it to a show or movie, it would be probably the most wildly successful thing they could do. Cause people just like the way it is and Han, Han and Chewie show up randomly too, if I remember. Yeah, they do. Yeah, super. <laughs> someone someone pull Harrison Ford out of mothballs. Get him back. Get him back <laughs> in the an Indy five, we'll do whatever. When you say books, uh, I'm sorry. When you say books, are they like novels? Yeah. yeah. So the Outbound Flight is its own novel, probably about three, 250, 300 pages. And then the Yuthan <laughs> Vong series is a whole series of novels between three rotating authors that all just expand on this idea of the invaders from outside the galaxy. Yeah. Cool. Into wow. Sorry, I had, a, I had a big yawn right there. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. No, no. I've listened. I've listened to this forever. <laughs> That's true. But I love it. I love it. I will share a real quick Lucas memory. In high school, kids would go and Google the hardest, most obscure trivia possible and test Lucas that's it's a, that's an actual activity that they used to do. Lucas had you know, all these friends who would try to do this, and I remember the one question that stumped him. <laughs> Lucas, I know you remember it to this day. Please, please share with the audience. Um, so, trivia question for everyone in the room: No googling. Um, <clears throat> what is the name of in episode one? Uh, what is the name of Anakin's best friend on Tatooine? Mike. <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna be real. He has a best friend. Is it a droid? <laughs> no, there's like there's like little it's like little friends. There's oh, like, they're like, like the little, per, they're like clearly like the producer's kids. Yeah, there's like yeah. a little fat Greedo kid that's his friend. <laughs> well the human the human kid is named. So technically I guess it counts, but he's he's like African American too, right? His name is his name is Kister, and I will never ever Oh my god, you remember <laughs> He remembers it because he didn't know it. He remembers it because it burns him to this day. Yeah. Well, what's sad is before he said it, my brain went like, oh my God, I think I know that guy's name. And it wasn't, <laughs> it was in the recesses of my brain, too. You do it? Oh, so I, somewhere deep. If I had like 10 minutes, it would have came out. <laughs> Kister. That's such an awful name for a oh. horrible name. Oh, it's terrible. Uh, Annie, how are you going to race? He says that. I remember that. Oh, he's, he's just nagging Anakin the whole time. He's not a good friend. He's a terrible. Yeah. Little There's another character who has a name like that. And I, I, I just yeah. I, I hate that name. It 
conjures up such horrible sexual imagery in my head. Not good. I don't like it either. And he's always smiling. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, Al, what's your not favorite piece of media non original nine? Uh, That would be the Star Wars gangster rap by. Oh yeah. Wait wait by who? Uh, the band is they they label them. I had to Wikipedia this guy. I did not know this at all. That they the, they went under Bent Frame, but it's a uh, Jason Brannon and uh, let's see that guy's name. Uh, Jason Brannon and Chris Crawford. Lucas. I mean, uh, I know Lucas knows this, but but Bill, have you ever heard the Star Wars gangster rap from like the early two thousands? I mean, maybe in the early two thousands. Okay, so and it was a song that later became justifiably forgot it. Yes, it's a song that later became like a flash animated video. I don't I rem- yeah. I think I, rem- I remember the kid who told me about it and I remember listening to it and just listening to it on repeat for like probably weeks to the to the point like I still know the lyrics to it. Yeah, me too. To this day. Yeah. It's Are pretty you bad. Song, no. Are we going? Uh, I was trying to think about the the one I wanted to say. Are they no, no, it's, no. It's, it's, it's just like corny dirty. and lame, but it's f- stupid. Um, it's wonderful at the same time. <laughs> yeah. you had to when I was later, when I was but, in middle school, we all thought it was like really funny and cool. And yeah, I think yeah. I watched it like a year ago, and I was like, oh, "This is like very white." Uh, <laughs> oh, it's so white! It's so white. So Luke, <laughs> and, so kind of dorky. <laughs> Luke and Vader are fighting, and it's uh, impressive. Now release your anger. You must sense that your friends are in danger. Oh, why'd you slice off my hand? It's imperative that you must understand. Oh, Jesus Christ. And it's still burned into my brain. I have seen this, and I repressed it. Everybody And you brought it back just now. Yeah, no, I had to do that. Sorry, that that was the most Uh, obscure one. And then obvious answer, I guess, I don't know, Mandalorian. Throw that out there. Jesus Star Wars gangster rap. Look Star it up. Star Wars gangster welcome. rap. Uh, mine'll be first of all, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna watch that, and then you're gonna go down like a weird, obscure, like e-bombs world, like wormhole, and then you're gonna be like, what the fuck have I been doing for four hours? I should have been sleeping. I should have been sleeping. <laughs> should have it watched was... that show. I gotta watch for the podcast after record tomorrow. Why um, am I watching Banana Phone? What the fuck is the matter with me? <laughs> it was originally on Newground. And like many things on Ebom's world, it was stolen, stolen and put in, and put on there. I only knew Ebom's world. Yeah. We sound a thousand years old. We yeah, do. We are. We are. We used to we watch these things on dial up. I don't. I don't think new I, I used to watch this on ISDN. Uh, <laughs> mine is not going to be any form of actual media. I'm going to cheat because I hosted the podcast. Came up with the idea for the show. It is going to be, and some of you may have already done this. It's the Star Wars Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run in the Disney parks, which is, so I'm going to say this. So Kat, I know you've done it. Mm -hmm. Cole, I'm assuming you went with Kat and did it. Yes. Lucas, have you done this? You're like, I don't believe in Disney. Um, Ken, have you done it? No. And I know Al hasn't. Okay. So basically I would just speak from the Florida aspect of it. You go into Hollywood studios they have a whole Star Wars land, essentially. You're walking into this planet, which name escapes me at the moment, and it's basically you're in a Star Wars-like bazaar. There's a huge grill that's 
making these things called Ronto Roasters, which is basically a pita with a hot dog that is wrapped in like pork. And supposedly it has a slaw on it. Supposedly it is amazing. Once you walk past that and round a corner, there is a life-size replica of the Millennium Falcon. And I do not care what anyone says, nor any douche on Twitter that bagged on Al earlier today. You will have a tear in your eye when you see this if you're a Star Wars fan, because it is literally everything out of your childhood. You see it, and you're like, my God, this is the Millennium Falcon. They have put so much detail into this, down to the, like, dirt down to like the the, sco- the 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 scoring from being shot at or just going through hyperdrive it is one of the most impressive sights you'll ever see until you go in the ride and then you are literally in the millennium falcon there is the table where they play the game which i forgot the name of um there is all the cargo holds there's just all the trinkets and detritus that you saw in the movie is right in front of you and I don't care how bitter and jaded you may be in this life. If you're a Star Wars fan, you walk into this, you're like, this is amazing. And then you get into the ride itself and you're sitting in the cockpit and son of a bitch, that thing throws you around and you can make that ride last as long or short as you want. My brother-in-law and I were the pilots and we had no idea what we we're doing. You go into light speed. You feel like you're heading into it. It is throwing you around, going super fast. It is so incredibly fun. It is, if you were a Star Wars fan, it is amazing. And it has a little story to it, so there is a story. But honestly, like that is my favorite piece of non-original Star Wars media out there, that it, it is a must. I suppose the Rise of Res- Resistance is amazing. I haven't done that myself, but that ride mm-hmm. is absolutely incredible just to see the Falcon inside and out is worth the price of a ticket to disney in my opinion and yes i was a guy a few years ago who was like i don't give a shit about disney now i'm like yes i want to go back just because of that ride so that it's is awesome. and i can confirm literally everything that bill just said is completely true it's I, it, it's amazing Ken, you will you will need a moment you might need oxygen honestly. I, I i totally cried because I, something that something that I, you didn't mention that is really amazing is that when you're in line, uh, right, right, you're like you're in the Millennium Falcon, but you're not in the cockpit yet. Yeah. They give you cards and they assign you a role yeah. in in the thing. And the first time we did it, I think we've written it two or three times. The first time we did it, I was like a gunner, so we were both gunners. You just have to like shoot down ships while the people in the second row are doing like defenses or something. Shields, yeah. Yeah, they do the shields. And then the pilot and co-pilot, like where Han and Chewie sit are up front. And literally, I was just like shooting down these spaceships and the, and the, and John Williams' score is roaring and you're like, I'm actually in Star Wars. And then the second time we wrote it, we got in line and the man came up to me and he handed me the card that said pilot. Yeah. And I almost passed out. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, I'm going to fly. And and ours both said pilot. I was like, yeah, you're going to be co-pilot. And then I got in the You're the Han Solo of the group. Yeah, it was amazing. I was crying. The like little boy behind me was like, "You're doing it wrong," and I was like, "I don't even care." Like, like it, was, <laughs> it was like some little boy and some like mom who had been on it five hundred times. Yeah, and they were like, "You're doing it wrong," and I was like, "Honey." Supposedly, there is a way. If there's like like a contra code like way where you could pop, you could um, 
pop Chewie into it with you and you start he instead of that guy in the thing you can get Chewbacca instead and Lucas just to satiate your beer needs there are two bars outside of it one you have to do a reservation and there's another one you don't have to and you get like the it's called like like Rebel Leader 9 Lager or something like that very good it's nice also the name of the planet inside Galaxy's Edge is called Batu. And there is, yeah. And then there's a Star Wars, uh, like, rebel trading post where you yeah. can go. and you can wow. interact with the character stuff. So it's pretty cool. So I, I highly recommend it. So, Al, when you inevitably, inevitably have to take Parker down there, make sure you go there. Do? What? Have to? You have to go to the Star Wars. Yeah, you um, will. I am, me and Megan are, like, literally already planning the Disney trip. Like, we haven't gone in so long. I, I, I love Disney. I used to be obsessed with Disney. I am now. So the next segment we have here is got a bad feeling about this. And the bad feeling is, Hey, let's talk about the prequels. So um, quickly, you know, the, the question about the prequels is there's been so much hate on the prequels over this years, but guys, do the prequels actually suck. Uh, I'll go first because I did try rewatching Phantom Menace with my wife who has never seen a Star Wars film in its entirety outside of maybe The Force Awakens because my daughter loves that movie. And we started watching it and I was just like, I can't, I can't get through any more of this. This is incredibly bad. But like I said about Star Wars, it's like they might not be the best movies, but there's such big creativity and imagination there that there's still some stuff I can enjoy about it because it is Star Wars after all. So they're not good movies, but like I've seen way worse in my life. Um, you know, I was going to met ref- I've seen Gigli. So it ain't that. <laughs> and I saw- uh, so yeah, there's that. So Lucas, I want to get what I think will probably be the harshest critic out of the way first. Um, the prequels, do they, do they suck? Well, you know, he's like, well, as a good well, reaching <laughs> well, for the alcohol. You. Maybe Crack, I'm getting, cracks neck. Maybe I'm getting soft in my old age, or maybe it's I, the white cloth surge that I just powered through. Um, but <laughs> the prequels aren't that bad, man. They're really not. Um, I, 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 I think I think your girlfriend has softened you up a bit. <laughs> um. It, they're not that bad, and and I think the reason is because in my mind there's only there's only two movies in the entire nine movie saga that are above reproach at all for me. Um, the Empire Strikes Back and the Last Jedi. Okay. So everything else can be nitpicked to whatever degree you want to nitpick it to. But going back and watching them again um, as as an adult. They're fun. They're good. I mean, they, yes, they've got problems, but like, it's not science fiction for science fiction, right? It's science fantasy. So when you look at it from that perspective and you just sit back and you enjoy it for like, you know, and, and again, this is me just being like a little bit fed up with like star Wars culture to an extent, right? Like that internet culture and all that stuff. But if you just sit back and like watch it and like not be a, a jackass for a minute, right? Like they're they're I think they're pretty decent movies. I think the Phantom Menace, um, is a lot better than most people give credit for for setting up an entire saga. They could have jumped ahead. They maybe should have jumped ahead to Attack of the Clones halfway through that movie and then focused more on, on Teenager Anakin, but they didn't. 
And what did we get? We got Darth Maul, right? And I think Disney really uh, dropped the ball in a huge way by not committing to the Han Solo, Obi-Wan, Darth Maul movie trilogy that they very clearly set up in Solo. Um, I know they're converting it, but it should have been a movie. Um, Attack of the Clones is probably the weakest. Um, we don't need that whole falling in love subplot. It's just not necessary. But that Coliseum gladiator thing is still... It's it's cool. It, it's right? still pretty fun. It's the only thing I remember for that movie. <laughs> it's it's pretty cool. And you know what? I'll even give the politics of it. I think the politics of it are pretty cool. They do a good job of like integrating some interesting political stuff in it. Revenge of the Sith should have been three and a half hours long. Um, you know, the fall of Anakin Skywalker is literally the most important part of the Star Wars saga. Probably should have done more than 30 minutes on it. Um but even that movie was great from start to finish. It was action packed. It had a halfway decent dialogue. Like the turn is very well done. I mean, go back and watch Revenge of the Sith and focus on the turn, not just in the characters, but the tone of the movie yeah. when it switches about an hour and a half in and it starts to very, very subtly get not just tonally darker, but like visually darker too. Um, I just think George Lucas is a bit of an easy punching bag for people. And if we all take a step back and take another look at it, I think not only are the prequels good in their own right, they are much better than the trash that we've been fed the last few years from Disney. Mm, I would disagree with that, but all right. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go real quick. Cause I have, I have like two ideas off the top of my head. They're both like dumb metaphors. So do I, it. I treat, I treat the first. So I don't think I've re- revisited them. And like, since probably they came out, maybe the third one, I, um, I've probably seen them like a few times each. So I, I one and two Phantom Menace Attack of the Clones, I would say is like, they're like bad pizza. So like even, yeah, it's even what I would bad say. pizza is still pizza. So yeah. like you're still getting like, you know, the remnants of like what a Star Wars movie could be. So there's that. And then as a whole, it's like to compare it to something like recent, it's like, the X-Men sequels post first class in the sense it's like kind of Star Wars. It's just not what I expect Star Wars to be from watching the originals, like watching, I don't know, even first class, like first class was going to set up this like whole new wave of like what, and Days of Future, sorry, Days of Future Past is great too, but it's anything after that. It's just like, they saw what was, what worked and they're like, let's not do that. Let's do something else. And I just kind of feel like that's what George Lucas like. I want to tell a different story in the vein of my baby. The the only thing that people care about that I've done uh, outside of Indiana Jones. So it's just like I don't know. I feel and I feel like the third one deserves a rewatch, but at the same time, like I, I just don't know if I could do it. You, I don't know why. You, yeah, I'm sure you could do it. I'm sure you could. No, I mean, it. like I don't know why I don't have the motivation. Like I can literally go put on Force Awakens right now because I know what I'm expecting. I'm going to expect like a really good time, and I don't remember what I'm going to expect with, with um, Revenge of the Sith or whatever it's fucking called. Uh, Kat and Cole. Um. <clears throat> yes, the prequels are bad. They're bad. Um. <laughs> they're. A, a lot of people have always defended Revenge of the Sith. And to me, it's it, they're bad movies and they're bad Star Wars movies. And 
ultimately it really comes down to the script for me. Um, George Lucas, I actually do believe that he is like a visionary filmmaker and a, like he has a vision. He should not be writing dialogue. Um, oh. all, all, all of those movies just come across as a first draft. Like, okay, this is a good start. Uh, we need to throw this whole part out and we can punch up this stuff here. Um, it just, it just feels like it, there wasn't any editing and if it wasn't a lot of thought process, thought processes. Also, it's really hard for me to like turn off the part of my brain when I watch it now. Like, like you mentioned the, the, the gladiator scene in, um, or like the, the, the Coliseum scene. Yeah, in I did, yeah. I'm like, yeah, they just put that in there because gladiator was a big movie a few years before. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Right. I totally and, and, agree with you. And, and I, I know that doesn't like take away from it. Like it is interesting. Um, I guess, uh, I guess things I, I will say, we, we rewatched like all nine movies just a few months ago. It was around Christmas and watching them in order, um, in chronological order, mm-hmm. by the way. Um, it was very interesting because I felt like I could see what George Lucas was doing. I'm like, I see it. I get it. The thought, ideas, yes. The execution, no. Yeah. But 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 the ideas are there. Um, the themes I think are really really interesting and good. Um, I think Natalie Portman does the best that she absolutely can with what she has in those movies. Ewan McGregor, I, I'm super pumped to see him as Obi Wan again. I oh. thought that he was great. Um, and I'm going to go so far as to say Hayden Christensen is doing his best fucking job with what he's been given. When we were rewatching them, I was like, you know what? Hayden's getting the job done. Um, I, that's why a lot of, see, it's funny because a lot of people, when they announced he was going to be back for Kenobi, uh-huh. the reaction was overwhelmingly positive. I yeah. Think. It's just funny because I, he needs that, like that for, for him, the actor, not the character. He needs right. that redemption arc. I think if, and just, sorry, Kat, I, I just have to say, no, no, first okay. time we mentioned Hayden Christensen, but it's like, when you think about it, it's like the equivalent of them casting like Keanu Reeves. Like he just was. First off, just, don't you not, blaspheme. Don't you blaspheme around here, Alfred. No Keanu Reeves. I know this, but I'm in the sense of like, just like not knowing the right person for the role. Not that Hayden Christensen was bad in it. It's just, he wasn't right for it. It just didn't fit. No, at the time he was like a pretty boy. Like they could have, right next to him, the equivalent of Hayden Christensen was like Paul Walker. It's like, okay. Again, horribly casted, but got you. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Well, apparently the other big choice they were going to go with was uh, Leo. Leonardo DiCaprio. Would have crushed it. No. He would have crushed it. I'm sorry. Mm. He would have crushed it. He's he's a great actor, but again, even the best actor in the world could have not elevated any of those scripts. No, the lines were horrible. That would have like that would have derailed DiCaprio's career. Yes. Yeah, 100%. he would have been Hayden Christensen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Everyone, everyone talks about Sam, but like, the I don't know. Worst dialogue. The any I, I agree. in Attack of the Clones, bad. Just not good. Yeah, yeah. I still think Leo would have been a better choice. 
I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's a. I mean, but we may not have gotten better again, which is like a top five favorite favorite, exactly. favorite movie of mine. So Great that would have hurt. That would have hurt right here. But yeah. So long story short, the prequels are bad. Yes. Uh, setting nostalgia aside, like I saw all three of those movies in theaters. I remember, like. I think I saw, no, I 100% saw Revenge of the Sith at midnight. I waited in line for an hour with all these psychos. Wait, what was the, you had a funny story. Oh, yeah. So th- this is just really dating everything. So this was, it. 2000, I want to be the only one feeling old all the time. It, it was 2005? Yes. 2005, those movies came out. For some frame of reference, I was in eighth grade. And my friend and I that went, my friend Christina... She had a huge crush on Hayden Christensen and I had a huge crush on Ewan McGregor. And that movie opens up with them. Um, they're kind of like, like most things in the prequels, talking about more exciting things that happened off screen that we don't see. Yeah. They're like, oh yeah, don't you remember blah, 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 when we got stuck in that thing? And yeah, I remember, you're always like, God damn it, I want to see that. <laughs> yeah, it's like, wait, what? That sounds like fun. When- I think that's the entirety of the Clone Wars animated series is all that stuff they talk about anyway and we were there and they were on screen and we're like oh my god he's so cute i know this is so exciting oh my god great and these two guys were in front of us immediately turned around and this guy was like i have been waiting for this my entire life why don't you shut up and he he, like his vein was bulging and i think it was like that moment that i was like Oh, Star Wars fans are awful. <laughs> <laughs> You've been waiting your entire life to see you and McGregor and Hayden Christensen square off in a battle of handsome. And, <laughs> and even then, like, I was there and I was like, bro, these movies aren't even that good. <laughs> also, I just can't we were reacting the way they wanted to react. That's why they cast those guys in the, I, I know. Because I, they wanted teenage girls like, and you're like, oh my God, like, Hayden, he's so cute. <laughs> And then just these neck beers in the front. I'm like, shut up! This is serious. No, really. I love, I love Cole's impersonation of a teenage girl. <laughs> Everything about this story is yeah. just made this podcast worth it to me. Keep going. Yeah. So uh, those are my thoughts on the prequels. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna defend Christian, and I agree. I think yeah. he does the best he can. He's actually a good actor. If Shattered you see glass. The movie Shattered Glass. Yep. Excellent. Shattered Glass. I and Jumper. I haven't oh, seen that. Oh, Jesus love it. Christ. <laughs> Guys, I love Jumper. Lucas, we're good about really? this. Yeah, I'm here for Jumper. Jumper's, okay. Jumper's the shit. I haven't seen it, so maybe it's. Uh, maybe I recently, it's there was a Facebook stat memory that popped up where I guess I had tried to rent Jumper on Redbox or Netflix three separate times, and the disc was messed up. The three separate times. I don't know, fourth try, I was like, fourth try, I hope this movie's good. Spoilers, it sucked. <laughs> it was not good. Such what a good movie. F- what the fuck is Samuel Jackson's hair in that movie? Just everything. I don't even remember it's, he's oh in everything. God. I How forgot dare. he was even in the movie, but I shouldn't be surprised. I bet he does too. <laughs> like Jack Black with The Holiday. Um, <laughs> the movie. Forget about uh, that. Cole, what's your thoughts on the prequels? Uh, do they suck? Um, I don't like like them. I guess um, I don't hate them though. We we like cats that we watched them recently. I I kind of sort of like the third one, and the first one wasn't as bad as I remember. But it, it is 
very, very dull in, in parts. Um, yeah. You didn't fall asleep this time. Sorry, what? You didn't fall asleep this time. No, I no, I did. I, I nearly did though. Yeah. <laughs> the pacing. That's the, why. the pacing's very bad. And yeah, I, I really didn't like the second one at all. Um, but you know, it, like I said before, I, what, what's interesting to me is like even though like I don't like them, and like I think most Star Wars fans hate them. A lot of people really like that. Like, I had no idea until recently. There's like a whole generation of people that really like them. Yeah. I've literally met people that, like, for them, like, this is Star Wars to the point that they don't even, they're not even aware that the old movies exist. Like, I, I was working with this one guy who was like 18 when Force Awakens came out, and his only frame of reference for Star Wars was the prequels. He hadn't seen any of the original ones. Which, you know, I don't think is great, but I I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting that they, even though, like, they're not good, like, they do appeal to a whole generation. And it makes me kind of question, like, well, maybe all the movies we kind of revere, like, aren't that great. But, be, you know, they mm-hmm. we saw them at a certain age and at a certain time, so they meant something to us. Um, so, I, the like, it's all in the eye of the beholder, I guess. Ken Grandpierre, I, say, I saved you for last. Do oh, the prequels suck? I don't think they suck as much as most people say. And a lot of it is for what Cole just said, because I feel like what was interesting going through, it's kind of funny. I've never like outwardly loved the prequel movies, but weirdly enough, I feel like I can enjoy them retroactively a lot more considering what happened with the sequel trilogy, not the movies themselves, but more how the fans reacted. And I definitely mentioned this probably in like one of the Mando episodes, but I remember being in Ireland uh, with a friend of mine who I was staying with and it was right before Rise of Skywalker came out and he hadn't seen the Star Wars movies and he's like really into films, but like, you know, quite like a, you know, like a film buff. And he was kind of an anti-blockbuster, but I remember we spent like a couple of days watching like all the prequel movies, uh, the original trilogy and like, Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. And he, I remember him even saying, like, in the context of, like, all these films, even though there's varying degrees of um, quality in the writing, they all are weirdly consistent. Where for as much as people give the prequel film slack, they do feel like Star Wars films. I think what's interesting is that for as shitty as the writing is, there's a lot that you can, like, really you can get lost in like the imagery and like the environments feel vibrant. Like something that I wish that they would, Disney would explore more is I think uh, Naboo is one of the best things that's ever been in Star Wars. Like that planet is super interesting to me. The way they do ships, the way there's like a monarchy that's kind of part of the galaxy, but kind of separate. Like I'd love to see that dynamic. So yeah, I think the prequels definitely have their problems. Uh, Attack of the Clones is not just one of the worst Star Wars films, one of the worst films in the fucking planet. That film's atrocious. But um, there's things... Oh, it's I so will, bad. And I, I will say this as a small side note. I think, and someone who may be better at the new canon than me might be able to, to, to corroborate this, but I'm fairly certain that in the current timeline, Naboo is now completely destroyed. Oh, um, is it? So I'm fairly certain that, yeah, so in the new Star Wars Battlefront, they run you through the um, 
the Imperial Special Forces campaign. Oh, I played it. Yeah, yeah. They reference it in Mandalorian too. When at, when the Emperor died, they had those lasers that like destroyed a bunch of planets. Oh, oh huh. says the destruction of Naboo was a catastrophic event during the oh Jesus Christ the Karkelic invasion of the galaxy. None of that. This is like algebra two to me. I don't know. Yeah, so I, I think I think the new canon is is now that Naboo was one of the planets that was destroyed when the Emperor had those lasers blow everything up when he died. Oh well, fuck man. <laughs> okay, sorry, sorry to ruin that for you, but is well, it, no. I mean, we could they could still do a series on it and go back in time and stuff. Go back in Fucking time. Disney. Yeah. There are no. What rules. about the Gungans? Did they die? Everyone's uh, favorite. That that's a big that's a big yes. <laughs> That's the big. They all got killed. Uh, <laughs> they did. <keep> going, <laughs> None of us feel bad about it. We're like, yep, they did. Uh, um, let's move on to our next segment, which is um, Star Killer Base, uh, which is just talking about. We talked about the prequels. Let's talk about the sequels. Uh, that would be the new trilogy, the J.J. Abrams, Ryan Johnson trilogy. We're about two years removed from the release of Rise of Skywalker. Of course, we don't need to rehash all the bullshit that was around that. So let's take our let's take all let's take all the criticisms out of it. Let's talk about our own personal feelings about that trilogy. How do we feel about that trilogy as a whole now that we are two years removed from it? Who cares what anyone else thought or said and was shitty about? Our personal feelings of what we think of those three films. Uh, Ken, I'm going to start with you first. Ooh. Those last three films, I should say. Sorry. Yeah, you mean like how I feel about them overall, generally? How do you feel about that? Now we're a few years removed and a few years removed from, you know, their releases and all the dialogue and all the criticisms and all the crap that was surrounding it. How do you now, like, you've had time away from the releases and all that stuff. The dialogue has sort of calmed down, except anytime someone mentions Ryan Johnson. Is, like, how do you feel about that, those final three films altogether now? It's a weird one because objectively in terms of like films, just in, by pure filmmaking standards, all three of them have something great to offer. Like they're enjoyable. They're great rides. You definitely find yourself enthralled and endeared to the characters. Like there's moments in each three of those films where your heart swells up or you're laughing. But what's really strange is that even with all that, it's strange how beyond the mo like the experience of like you know watching the films themselves they do feel forgettable and i weirdly think it's like this weird thing where it's almost like disney wanted to have their cake and eat it too where it's like i'm not very anti-disney in terms of them being like you know this worldwide conglomerate but there are like harsh truths about corporations that you know you can't avoid and one is like you know trying to just you know regurgitate things to make it you know as palpable as possible. And it intrigues me with all three of those films, even though they each have, you know, interesting qualities and characters to them, they do feel like they're made by committee. So I remember something particularly strange, and I felt this way with all three of them, is that after they would come out and, you know, me and my friends would talk about them for like a couple of weeks, it would be strange going like a, like a month would pass by and it's almost like the impact would be gone. And I remember finding that really distressing where it's like, wow, a Star Wars film came out a month ago, but we're not really talking about it. And like, I really love, I'm one of those people that like, I love The Last Jedi. I, like, 
I remember, um, I'm very proud about this, so I love bringing this whenever I can. <laughs> but I remember uh, when The Force Awakens ended and uh, Ray and Luke are on like that cliff. I remember being like really annoyed and thinking like, God, like how great would it be if Luke just threw that fucking lightsaber and did the fuck out of my face. And I remember being in the theater in Last Jedi when he did it. I was like, oh, fuck, really? And I was with a friend and he was angry. He was livid because I've been saying for like a year I would love for that to happen. And he turned to me. Yeah, he turned to me. He's like, really? Are you happy now? And I was like, yeah, fucking great. They're like, yeah. I'm barely happy. Uh, Al, uh, I've, did I, I've seen... I saw the first. No, I only saw the first, first and last. Probably not. Well, no, I definitely for, saw uh, the first two. two. I yeah. we saw the first two. I know we saw the. I know we saw the first Awakens together. Let's just yeah. go with that. Uh, what's your thoughts on the the new trilogy, the closing trilogy? Uh, now we're two years removed from the release. Post, post Rise of Skywalker, the thing that came to me and just came to me again was. The original trilogy worked because of George Lucas. The prequel trilogy did not work because of George Lucas. That's the same thing that happened with the last three. So the original trilogy, because of George Lucas and his mind and his ability to create this world, it really works. But it only works because he has all this great talent to help him get his vision across. The directors and writers that helped him get there the original uh, the uh, prequel trilogy does not work because it's it's what cat said it is i'm gonna write my magnum opus also i am basically orson wells and don't have to get any help from anyone else they do that again in the sense like all right with the new trilogy with uh disney we're gonna throw all the money at it we're gonna get the best creatives involved but we're not going to get one mastermind to string these movies along. Kathleen Kennedy is not that person. She is just not. It doesn't seem like she was ever going to be. Kevin Feige is that person. Like, that's 100%. Like, if they had a John Favreau or a Dave Filoni come in and say, we want you to map out the next 20 years of what Star Wars is going to be. Yeah we would have a different discussion. It would be not, were they good or were they not good? It's like, are they better than the original trilogy? Like that's the kind of conversation we'd be having, but we don't have that now because they hired great talent, but they didn't never, they never had that, the conductor of the symphony to get, to get this whole song across. They just never planned for that. I thought at one point that the way that they mapped it out was we're going to get JJ to do the first one, because we need to do the impossible. We need to strike lightning in a bottle again. We need to introduce kids to the magic of Star Wars and then at the same time satisfy adults. And I think for the most part, he kind of does it. I think they definitely do. Because he basically just, as Lucas said, remade um, you know, A New Hope. Yes. And then the plan I thought was Ryan Johnson is going to write the next two movies and he's going to direct the second one. And then Gareth Edwards would direct the third one. No, it was Colin Trevorrow. Sorry, Colin Trevorrow. I mix them up all the time. Colin Trevorrow, the guy who did um, Jurassic World. How and dare you? Yeah. But it would have made sense. And I'm like, Ryan Johnson's fucking amazing. Like, what a 
remember when they said that when they announced it it was like holy shit it's the guy who fucking did brick and looper (laughs) is gonna do a star wars movie like this is the best idea ever and guess what it's still the best idea ever the fact that he didn't write the third one was a fuck up on disney's part completely such a bad move because you could have got a great director to come in whether they kick colin trevor wrote out and put in james mangold or fucking give ron howard his star wars movie instead of taking away the solo movie from uh, lord of miller it would have worked because at least it was someone telling the complete ending the middle and the end the most important movie and then the conclusion you know so, i think a better star wars director is than ron howard anyone Bryce Dallas Howard. Yeah. Oh, I, nice. I like that. That was good. But yeah, that's that's how I that's that was my post Disney trilogy slash like end of the Skywalker Skywalker saga. Cause I don't even want to revisit those original uh, prequels. And I just know the Skywalker saga as, you know, was it four through nine? Like that's how I see it. And I don't see it as a complete story because we don't get that creative like overarching vision at the at the end of the last three i'm just gonna jump off that real quick because of what you were saying what do we talk about uh and in, in something ken was saying what everyone's said so far what are we still going to talk about in a few months and what you know we talked about the mandalorian we've mentioned the mandalorian more times than we mentioned well we mentioned force awakens a bunch we barely mentioned the last Jedi, and we did not really mention rise of skywalker reason for that of what because it's so memorable. They had multiple directors and writers, but you had Filoni and you had Favreau as the showrunner saying, this is how it's going to go. They didn't have that in the movies, and that's why they don't stick. Because we got something new and creative and different and bold. Like Cole was mentioning, we got the Western in space instead of a rehash of Star Wars. Instead of going for... They basically had, if you're a hockey fan... They had an op- they had no goalie in the net, and they missed a shot because they tried to be too fancy with it. They tried to be too cute with it, and they tried to recreate. And I think, like what was said before, there are great moments. Like, I mean, even in um, Rise of Skywalker, I mean that that lightsaber battle and that that where the the title the typhoon is coming in. That's great. That raid on the you know, on the one star destroyer where they're just racing essentially space horses down. Like that's cool. Um, but they're just, those movies all feel like moments. They don't feel cohesive as like, we all love like empire from start to finish. We love that. I mean, I'm wearing literally just an empire shirt right now. It's just like, that's like with this, we just remember moments. And I mean, I, I think of all of them, force awakens is the best is the one I've revisited the most. Because my daughter also really likes it because it's got BB-8 in it and it's and it's fun and she loves Ray and there's like all this cool stuff that a kid can grasp onto. So I think if they had just had, like you guys were saying, they had one through line, one vision, run all the way through with a, an actual plan, I think that would have worked out instead of just trying to essentially recapture the magic instead of telling the story. So <laughs> Cat and Cole, I'm going to close out. No, Lucas, you're next. I'm going to close out with Cat and Cole. Um, I going going to this new trilogy i think it's the worst trilogy when taken as an entirety an entire three movie arc it is by far the worst um i don't particularly like jj abrams i don't think he should be trusted with an existing ip at all you mean you didn't like star trek 
Oh, don't get him started, please. No, 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 no. That's I a whole other podcast. I mean, yeah. I, I'll put I'll put Cat and Lucas on that podcast, and they can just duke it out for an uh, hour. I I just don't think he has. He doesn't have like a backbone. He he doesn't take risks, and that's fine. But I feel like you you did what you wanted to do, right? You introduced people, right, with Force Awakens, essentially a new hope, but with different characters. Like that that's fine, right? And then you gave it to uh Ryan Johnson and it was incredible. It was it was exactly the thing we've talked on previous podcasts about how Star Wars is best when it's a product of the time that it's released in. And Ryan Johnson brought it there, right? Where like if you want to get kids, what what are what is the next generation, right? They're they're cynical about traditions. They eschew the status quo. They are you know all of these different things, all these new ideas. So Ryan Johnson gave them a movie that was like, hey, all the stuff that your parents were like, oh, this is what Star Wars is, completely threw it out the window. And the Disney freaked out. They freaked out because you know, uh, the, I think it might have been those same two people, Cat, that accosted you in the theater. <laughs> they got really mad on Twitter. Um, about how a lady had purple hair and Luke was a little bit sassy, and they didn't, they didn't like the movie. was a sassy Bridges, <laughs> and Disney freaked out. Um, but I just think as a trilogy, it's awful. I think the the Ryan Johnson movie, The Last Jedi, is the, the second or tied for third best movie, um, because it actually takes risks. It tries to move the series in a new direction, and I just think that the the death blow of the trilogy is having Ray be related to Palpatine. It's so cowardly. It's so, so unnecessary. It's nonsense. It is, it is the weakest storytelling device. You want to talk about having the entire might of the mouse behind you, and that's what you come up with? And it, it just reeks of laziness. And I think it, and I know that for me, because I love the expanded universe, the legends, and the new canon so much, and the best part of a universe is to see people take risks inside that universe to then have a whole middle story arc about how like the, the, the Jedi are dead, the Sith are dead. All these things don't even concern us anymore. The old order can die and we can build something completely new and different. Um, that doesn't even fit into any of the boxes that have been previously set for us. That was your millennial talking point. That was your Zoomer talking point. That was for that moment was for the next generation. And then Disney was like, but no, but if they don't know who who the, the good and the bad are, what will they do? Um, so I just think it was a really, as a whole, it was awful. The Last Jedi was incredible. And I think it's just, it's, it completely lays the fault of Disney. They they took something great. Like you said, Billy, you said the empty net goal. Yeah, I did. I did that one just for you, buddy. The, the perfect. <laughs> it was the, the perfect metaphor. It's, it's, it's right there. And you just, you, you missed it wide, right? Like, what, what are you doing? I think, always, but I think they're correcting it with the shows. I think that's yeah. what we're going to see. I mean, maybe, right. But, but if you, the thing is, is that the, you shouldn't need 10 television shows and three movies to tell a story. No, no, no. no. I'm just saying like, I think yeah. with, in regards yeah, no, no. to star Wars in general, I, I think the yeah. Skywalker stuff is, yeah, and I think the TV show has been great, right? Like the, some of the best stuff has, has been with why we all love The Mandalorian, right? It's like relatable, it's gritty, it's ground level, it, it tells real stories with real characters, right? So I just I just think they really, really dropped the ball in the movies. And it's a shame because what we lost was we lost Solo, Kenobi, Darth Maul. 
as a trilogy mm-hmm. because they dropped their own, they missed their own empty night goal. It's true. Cat uh, and Cole, I'm going to have you close this uh, segment out. You want to go? Um, yeah, just overall with the trilogy, uh, uh, like the word that comes to my mind is inconsistent because I think I think there's things in all three of them that are very good and that I enjoyed. And again, this is kind of coming from someone who's sort of indifferent to start. Sorry, our neighbor's dog is working. Thank you. Um, you know, this is coming from someone who's wasn't really into Star Wars that much. So, you know, for me, most of the movies are kind of range from like not good to passable with like a couple exceptions. Um, and that's how the new trilogy kind of felt to me. It, it felt passable. Um, you know, there was things I really liked about Force Awakens. And then there was some things that I thought were kind of like, whatever um there's a lot of things i really liked in the last jedi but i also thought that movie had a lot of problems i thought it was way too long and you know i i do appreciate kind of what lucas was saying how it took risks and and i love that it was kind of about eschewing tradition and, and everything but i it kind of felt to me like if in age of ultron that they just like out of nowhere destroyed all the infinity stones and then they're then they kind of leave you hanging about like what the rest of the movies are gonna be about. And you know, like I, I like I can understand why people were upset, but I also think a lot of reasons why people are upset with that movie are uh, ridiculous. Um can I ask you a question real quick? Because I want to I want to yeah. respond to this. I've heard people describe that as an angsty teenager spiting their parents. Is that something you'd agree with based on what you just said? Or do you think that's not quite right? I, I think, I think Ryan Johnson like really wanted to do something different with star Wars. I, I really just think it shouldn't have been that movie. I think he should have just done it in like his own movies, which I think he will do. And like, I will go see those for sure. But I, I feel like, there is an art to working within those big blockbuster movies, even though it's like an art of commerce. It's like an art of capitalism. Um, but, you know, I, I feel like there could have been a way for them to have done what he wanted to do, but also not derail. I think, cause I'm not going to say like, I think like they had the whole thing thought out cause they clearly didn't. No. Um, but I do feel like it derailed some things. I think it like changed characters in a certain way. I feel like Poe is like completely different in all three movies to the point where I don't really know who he is as a person other than he's a like, pilot. Yeah, and he's kind of witty. Um, he's like he's Al. a pilot. He changes every, Al changes every podcast, but he's just kind of witty. He's an ex criminal, didn't you know? Apparently. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah no, but it's. Yeah, I, I'm not sure I would say it's like an angsty teen movie. I just, I feel like it wanted to do something, but like it maybe wasn't the right time or place or, or I, I feel like it wasn't teed up that well. And then I also think it wasn't followed through well. And that that's what I kind of mean when I say the whole trilogy just kind of feels inconsistent to me because it feels like they didn't really have a story or characters or like a through line that they wanted to tell. They were like, we want new characters. We want them to be young. We want them to be not just like three white people. 
it's got to like appeal to these different demographics. It's got to appeal to China and, and all over the world. Um, and, and I feel like, you know, when you try to do that, when you try to like appeal to everyone, you sort of end up appealing to no one in particular. Um, and and I, I feel like that's just, that's just kind of the trap that they, that they fell in. I, you know, who's the lady that's in charge of it? Kathleen Kennedy. Yeah. yeah. Again, like what was said before, she's not a Kevin Feige. I feel like if Kevin Feige had been in charge of these movies, it would have been a very different thing. Um, he's going to have one. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see what that is. Um, but I think it just goes to, it really just kind of is a testament to like how well like Marvel's been able to do this and how like literally, I think literally everyone else who has tried to do a shared cinematic universe has like failed or blundered it spectacularly, even Disney themselves. So yeah, that again, that's, that's kind of how I feel about the whole trilogy is just inconsistent. I even like things in rise of Skywalker, but like, I don't, I think the whole thing with Palpatine is kind of random. Like I could have bought it, but like, it just came out of nowhere. And, and just much like Palpatine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, but again, there were, there were things I, I like about it. So I don't know. In, inconsistent is my feelings on them airing on liking overall. Yeah. Uh, honestly, when I think about the sequel trilogy, I feel very, very sad. They, as movies, they make me sad um, because, like, trying not to get emotional right now. I saw The Force Awakens seven times in theaters. Yeah, it was fucking incredible, and I still believe it's incredible. I saw, I definitely saw it with Ken at least twice. And we saw Last Jedi together. Um, I saw that movie so many times. And every time I was so happy. I was so excited. I laughed. Every single time Han Solo was stabbed by his son, who he called Ben, I cried. It was incredible. And still, like, I'm getting goosebumps right now thinking about it. Finn is like in the snow and Kylo standing over him and you cut to the lightsaber and it's shaking in the snow and then it just fucking like moves by itself and it goes to Ray's hands. What the fuck? That was incredible. Yeah. Ray is amazing. And that character and the way she was created was created by J.J. Abrams and I love it. Finn, an incredible character that was completely destroyed. And it's so fucking depressing. I think about John Boyega. I think about his career. And I feel so, so sad because Finn in that first movie, like, could have been Luke Skywalker. He could have been Han Solo the way we talk about those characters now. But then he wasn't. And uh, yeah. I, I love Poe Dameron in that first movie. All the characters in that first movie uh, Kylo Ren is such an interesting villain and God, I I think about that movie and it's just like all of this potential completely squandered, completely lost. And I know people give Kathleen Kennedy a lot of shit, a lot of which is uh, steeped in um, being misogynistic, but that's not anyone in this podcast. She had the idea of, 
the original trilogy, which everybody loves, that was directed by three different people. So we should do the same thing for this thing, which is true. The original trilogy was directed by three different people, but there was like one visionary person behind all three connecting the three of them, George Lucas. And um, I mean, we all were stoked. Remember, we, I think like all of us were stoked when we heard like, hey, we're going to have three directors. We're like, original three out of three directors. It's going to be great. Yeah. Something that I don't think gets brought up too much is that the original three directors of the trilogy, George Lucas, but then the other two guys, you know, they were part of the original story. No, well, no, what I'm saying is, like, I, I think, like, the most well-known of the other two was Irving Kirshner. Yes. I, I can't remember what other movies he's done, but I know he's done, like, a couple famous movies. But by and large, and especially whoever directed Return of the Jedi, who I don't even, I can't even remember off the top of my head, they were both, like, journeyman directors. Like, pretty much the equivalent today would be, like, if you got um, Martin Campbell to direct one of the right, right. Star Wars movies. That'd so they didn't, they didn't get, like you know, these, like, visionary directors back then. Like, they didn't, yeah. you know, like, what, the, yeah. what they did, like, now is, like, if they had gotten, like, Francis Ford Coppola to do one, or if they got... Um, Tarantino to do one. You're going to get three different completely fucking movies that have nothing to do with each other. Yeah. Um, also, I think something we haven't talked about is one thing that Disney did take a gamble with and it just didn't fucking pay off and it wasn't their fault is they decided outright the first movie is going to be about Han Solo. The second movie is going to be about Luke Skywalker. The third movie is going to be about Princess Leia. Well, who fucking knew that poor Carrie Fisher was going to die? Like everyone shits on the rise of Skywalker, but I just sit there and I'm like, what, what were they supposed to do? No. what, what, what were they supposed to do? They had set out that the whole movie was going to be about her being a general and doing this and doing that. And they couldn't, they couldn't do it. And I know that's like not really an excuse, but it's a reality. Yeah, it, it's a major pivot because, yeah, you know, it, cause that's what you had. And that was, and I, I agree with you guys. It's just like Ryan Johnson, great director. We we're all stoked about it when it was announced. But when you think about it, it's like, if J.J. Abrams was going to be your, he's the bar of who you're going to go with, mm-hmm. Ryan Johnson does not fit that mold. And yeah. maybe, like he would have done, maybe he would have done one hell of a solo or something like that. Maybe he would have done another great, like, off. yeah. Imagine him doing a grittier Han Solo caper movie. That would have been great. He should have been the one to direct the Han Solo, Obi-Wan, Darth Maul. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like that would have been really cool. And I, I just think it was, yeah. They had an idea and they didn't go with that. So I think we're all saying the same thing, but in different parts that it's just like this, there are parts and and Kat, there's so many parts about Force Awakens where I sit there too. And I'm just like, ah, that Han Solo part. I just, oh, you didn't have a little tear in your eye. Your name is Lucas Jones. But um, (laughs) I love, I love The Last Jedi. I think uh, just like Lucas is like my second favorite. I can watch The Force Awakens right now. Like that's a movie that I can. I can't go to Last Jedi over and over, but Force Awakens, I can watch it. I, Force Awakens is like, it's just like putting on like comfort food. It's so enjoyable from start to finish for me, just like Kat said, that like, I have no issues with that movie. And I think it over, like if Ab- Abrams was probably the guy for it too, in the yes. sense of like, let me map out the story mm-hmm. and then pick the creators involved. I, I mean, I, I, I personally feel like as someone who is uh, a big J.J. Abrams fan, 
Uh, baby JJ does not know how to end things. It's okay. Baby nope. JJ. Nobody's no, you perfect. can't drop that. You can't drop that. <laughs> you can't drop that. I, I, I don't know why he was. I don't know why they just got him again. It's it's because I know why. It's because they're like, oh shit, everybody panicked. But okay, wait, Force Awakens did better. Okay, get yeah. him. It, it it's like he can't. He is so good. Like the first act of all of his movies, even the movies that aren't good, are great. the The first act of everything he's done is fantastic. You're setting it up. Characters there, awesome. The third act of most of his stuff is where it falls apart. Mm-hmm. And so even I being a fan was nervous having him at the helm of Rises Tower. But, but the point is, I feel very sad thinking about all of those movies because The Force Awakens to me was like probably the most fun I've ever had at the movie theater, like ever. And I saw it seven times. I would have seen it eight or nine, but all of my friends were like, we don't need to go again. And I'm like, but we need to see it in 3D because I only saw it in 3D once. And so let's see. 3D without. Yeah. Uh, It was just so good. And there are parts of The Last Jedi that are uh, astounding. The the hold-on maneuver, even though I think it should have been um, Princess Leia who did that and not hold-on. Incredible visually amazing the dynamic between kylo and ray fascinating the the the, the force the, skype. Dyad, the dyad yeah the force skype i can't remember what they called it in there but amazing point. amazing so so good to the point where it's hard for me to rewatch that movie now because there's certain parts where i'm like oh, why didn't they do this instead the, the part where Kylo reaches out his hand and he's like, destroy the past, forget it, whatever, reach out and join me. Every time I'm watching that movie, I'm like, do it, Ray, do it, do it, do it, do it. Reach out, be that, be that. It'll be great. And then in the last movie, you'll turn and it'll be awesome. And it just doesn't happen. And she's like, no. And, and Not real. Just, yeah. a, a lot of fans hated what they did with Luke Skywalker, but I actually... Yeah, that's like my favorite aspect of Skywalker. Yeah. I, I liked I liked a lot of what they did with Luke, with with one one exception, um, and and I remember when I saw this with you, Ken, you were like, yeah, and I was like, fuck you, <laughs> wow, <laughs> wow. Literally, the the number of times I saw Force Weekends, every time it ends with her on that cliff, handing over the lightsaber, I'm fucking crying. I'm like, this is amazing. That's Mark Hamill. That's Luke motherfucking Skywalker. It's going to be amazing. He's going to come back and he's going to save everything. And he just takes it really. I, I see that, Fuck that lightsaber where he takes the lightsaber. Actually, what I see there is. I feel like Ken told this story and I feel like you were the friend who was really pissed at him. You might have been out of the yeah, room. Hindsight, yeah. I might have been. I might have been. <laughs> I did I see I multiple friends, but I think you were like mad at me too. Yeah. yeah. It's because the the reason that scene was upsetting to me is not because I'm like, Luke wouldn't do that, which is a people. No, the reason that scene was upsetting to me is because when Luke has the lightsaber, he's not holding a lightsaber. He's holding the force awakens. He's holding JJ Abrams script. (laughs) And he's, and Ryan Johnson is saying, throw it, throw it, fuck that dude, fuck that movie. There's no, I cannot watch the force awakens now and have that same feeling. Cause I'm like, Oh yeah. He just, he takes that and he clutches and he says, fuck you. He does it. it It felt like a moment in a Marvel movie. And like, it's something they've done in a lot of recent movies where, 
they they think they can't like take any moment like way too seriously so like they, they just have to try a joke and yeah. undercut mm-hmm. it with like dorky humor and i can't stand it it works yeah. so well for me and i love that he habitually and this is someone who moments ago said i love the force awakens but i also love his <laughs> fuck you attitude towards it because it was also a fuck you to the fandom which me and cat have talked about uh, yeah, which, which was me, by the way. The, it was the, a fuck the, you to me because I liked the first movie. The, what a fucking asshole not, I was. Not the, I'm, talk, I'm talking more about the, the, the fandom in the sense of like, this is what needs to happen because I like the first thing. I need you to keep doing it. And as Lucas said before, of like him just like throwing expectations to win, like doing something that we had not seen before. So there was a sense of, not only do I have to say fuck you to this movie, but I have to do it habitually throughout. So it wasn't just let me toss the lightsaber, but it's like, let me smash the dumb Kylo Ren helmet. Like, I love that he kept do. doing that <laughs> habitually. But you know what? I do wonder something. And I've thought about this a lot. Like, obviously, symbolism is like really important. And like, especially in like filmmaking, like, you know, there's cues that you get by seeing something portrayed visually. But I wonder in the context of like, Force Awakens, The Last Jedi. I've thought about this a lot. Is there anything Ryan Johnson could ever say that would make people not think that's what that was? Because I almost wonder no. if, like, maybe there's like no. He's how- he's talked about. So I've read an that's, interview that's with him. Was. I read an interview with him, and he said that the script for the second movie was done before the first one came out. Before the first movie was released, but the first movie was done. Yeah, so the first movie was released. So he said he wrote the movie without seeing the movie. I don't know if he had even read the draft of the script. That I'd have to go back and see, but it's just... He had to have read the draft of the script to know the characters. He read read the script. But the the characters are so different in Monster Jedi. Yeah, he he wanted them different. He said he had met, I think, with Kathleen Kennedy and J.J. Abrams, and they told him the idea like of like what's going to happen he's like oh cool and then like went to go write his movie so that's, that's, where, almost oversight, like that's where oversight comes in though i have to find this interview i'm finding this interview. cliff notes something right. like yada yada you know 300 million dollars this is what the movie's about you figure it out you know what i mean but that's the thing like even with that i mean that's what i wonder it's like because i think what kat just said i think that's what like a lot that's like the well what everyone said that's the well agreed upon premise but i wonder if like could he ever say something that would make people think that's not the case? Cause it's almost like that's what it is now. It's almost like what's more interesting, the truth or just like the byproduct of it. it the, the reason, aside from what I just said, part of the reason why moments like that and a couple of other moments just confuse me as a fan are like the force awakens is like, Hey, you like star Wars. We like star Wars too. It's fun. And then the last Jedi is like, Oh, you like star Wars. You're a fucking idiot. Wait, you you think a lightsaber is special? We're throwing it over the cliff. Wait, wait, wait. You think the Jedi texts fucking matter? <laughs> Look at this person who thinks the Jedi texts matter. Idiot. Oh, God. I, I watched that movie. I'm like, wait, are we supposed to care about the Jedi texts or not? Yoda I mean, burns them, but then Rey saves them. So do, are love, we supposed to care? Am I an I love, asshole? I love all that so much. <laughs> I don't understand. I'm an asshole, though. I'm an asshole. <laughs> I will say this. I will say this. It would have been like, I love the last Jedi, but I particularly dislike the last 20 minutes or so where 
I feel like we do get like an interesting resolution and conclusion, especially with like Luke's actions. But I agree, it would have been because you know, if you think about Empire Strikes Back, what makes that such a great movie apart from everything within it, and I think about this all the time uh, when I rewatch it now, I think back to when I watched it for the first time as a kid. And the way Empire Strikes Back ends is you don't know what's going to happen next. You literally don't have, even with knowing what happens with Return of the Jedi, Empire Strikes Back ends in a way of like, I I don't know what they're going to do. And if they would have ended Last Jedi where it's like Kylo Ren puts out his hand and then the screen goes to black and Ray, you don't know what Ray does. Yeah. That whole year of just like, fuck, I think she would have done it. Like, the problem is, like, how many Star Wars movies are we going to ha- end with a hand being held out? Come on, guys. But we, we, let's let's end on a happy note. Real quick, though. Oh, I found the quote. There's seven quotes that's going to piss everyone off. Here, here's, here's a quote. I think I remember reading another one, but the funny thing is, this was actually a sci-fi article written by my mentor, Tara Bennett. So this is very interesting. So this is an interview she did with Ryan Johnson. Uh, the question was, since you've always written and directed your films, were you worried that writing for the Star Wars universe would not gel with your creative process? I would love it if his hand <clears> one word answer is like, nope. Nope. So he said, the first, the first thing that made me think that this could be a great experience was that it wasn't written by committee. It's also like there's, it's also not like there's a whiteboard with the whole story arc laid out. Much to my surprise, it was, here's a script for episode seven, and you could watch some dailies because they were shooting episode seven at the time. And let's talk about where this is going next. That, there's your problem. I just... That's it, to me. It's so weird that we can all sit here and say that doesn't sound good, and he's like, "That's fun." That's yeah, and like, I love that about him. <laughs> the, yeah, the for me, I would have been like, uh, "I don't know." I've, that no, I'm not going to go into it because I'll be. I don't have enough alcohol on me the to issue, really go into. The issue this. is, is that from? No, oh, see, Al. Oh. I promise I'll be quick. I promise. The issue is, is that if you're going to write that way, you have to be okay with what comes out. You can't tell a chef, I want you to cook with chocolate and shrimp and then be upset with what comes out. <laughs> if you want something specific, you have to tell them. And I think, I think what happened was, I'm watching a lot of guys' grocery games lately, so I'm like very inspired. Mm-hmm. But I think what happened was they were like, oh, we want to do this like really cool thing. And then Ryan Johnson was like, yeah, let's do this really cool thing. And they said, no, not like that. So if you yeah. want to do that, you have to commit to that. Because then when you don't, what we're all arguing about is, I think I think we can all agree, is that we don't feel the commitment, right? They didn't commit at all. We no. can all, I think, hope, I mean, maybe, I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth, but I, I don't feel the commitment. They they backtracked. And that's why I used words like they were cowards. They didn't, they didn't you know, they had never spine. It's because... They, they were like, oh, we totally want to do this thing. We, dude, we totally want to go on this roller coaster. Like, we love roller coasters. And then you bring them to the theme park, and they're like, oh, yeah, but not like that roller coaster. That one's got a lot of loops. That one's got, like, a big drop. That one's a little too fast. Are there any other roller coasters maybe we can go on? <laughs> That's me and Kat. We're like, oh, yeah. that roller coaster. Hell no, I'm not going yeah, on that. That's what I feel like the issue is there. Yeah. Yeah, it's... it's let go, let, let, let go, go. No, no, because I want to wrap the segment because we're, we're this we're going almost two hours on the podcast. So. Yeah, no, go, let him go. So, Cole, you to say your you you get the final piece. 
No, I was going to say, I, I agree with Lucas. I think they just made all their decisions for that, for that last trilogy based on, like, I don't want to say fear, but like, I, yeah. I guess fear. It's a lot like what Warner Brothers has been doing with the DC movies. They put out one movie, it gets like a certain reaction. Then like they try to course correct, yeah. even though they're already like halfway through making the movie. And then you get fucking disasters like Justice League and then then you try and Joss cor- Whedon's Justice League. Yeah, and then you try and correct it with the Zack Snyder Justice League, but then like that's its own can of worms. So yeah. Yeah. And, th- and then you try and do, you know, Shazam and Aquaman, and some people like it, but some people think it's fucking stupid. So like no one's happy. And I feel like that's just what happened with the uh with the sequel trilogy. Did they like I think at first they were like, yeah, let's do like a retro throwback Star Wars movie. It did pretty well, but then, like, you know, I think a lot of criticisms were lobbied against it that it was, like, too much of a throwback. It was too derivative yeah. of the original. So they're like, yeah. okay, fuck, like, we got to be, like, really original with the with the next one. And then they did it. And then, like, it had, like, as worse a reaction, if not um, yeah. worse, in, in yeah. certain in certain factions of the family. And then they try and course correct that, and then they made a movie that I don't think really satisfied anyone. Let's close this out on a super positive note. Let us pick our favorites in in, in a couple sentences, our favorite Star Wars movie that is not The Empire Strikes Back because that is always, you know, deemed the number, the A number one Star Wars movie. So let's just throw that out because I feel like that's an all too easy answer. Cole, you are the last one to go, so I'm going to make you the first one to go. So what is your, of all the Star Wars universe films, mm-hmm. that is not The Empire Strikes Back, what is your favorite and why? Uh, I think I said it earlier. I think my favorite still is, it's even my favorite over Empire, is just the original Star Wars. I just, like, kind of, like, as a movie by itself, I think it's very good, but also, like, kind of what it represents and, like, you know, what it represents in the time it was made and also what it's represented since it was made, I think is very powerful and meaningful. And, and, you know, I, you know, I, I like that about it. So I think that's why it's probably my favorite. And then I honestly, the other ones that are probably my favorite are um, like, I, I do like empire a lot and I like force awakens and last Jedi, but I also really like something about Solo was like very appealing to me. And that's probably one I would revisit more than a lot of the other main trilogy. I feel like we're going to have a Solo, like a, in a few years, we're going to have a Solo love fest. Like, I think I like the, the history is going to change their mind on Solo. But if you haven't seen it, Cole, um, I don't know if you can find it anywhere. It was from Star Wars to Jedi. It was like, there was like a behind the scene documentary on the making of all three fil- original films. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of with the model work and a lot of that stuff you talk about in that book of just like that kind of like backyard filmmaking mentality. It's a really good documentary. I highly recommend it. Oh, so, okay, cool. Kat, I feel like I know the answer to this, <laughs> but what's your favorite non-Empire Star Wars movie and why is it The Force Awakens? <laughs> it's, well, it's, it's Bink, a Jar Jar story. <laughs> Bink. Imagine if they did that. Don't. Don't say it. it. Um, They're listening. They'll know. They'll be like, ha, someone wants to see this show. um, The, uh, well, the surprising answer to this is that Empire is not my favorite Star Wars. It's everyone's favorite, but mine. My favorite is A New Hope. 
Um, oh, I thought it was The Force Awakens. <laughs> my, my, my favorite is New Hope because um, it's like it's like a perfect movie. There's not a, a bad beat about it. Um, and uh, I find Empire very dour. And to me, Star Wars is fun, but I'm just a shill. So what do I know? Um, favorite show. Yeah. Uh, a New Hope, definitely. And uh, second would be A Force Awakens, which apparently to everyone but me is basically just A New Hope again. Um, and then uh, just, you know, despite all reason, honestly, Solo is probably number three. I remember when it was first announced they were going to make a Han Solo movie. I was like, fuck you. It's going to be terrible. <laughs> You're gonna who who can replace Harrison Ford? This First is off, I love that your response. Hey, there's a Han Solo movie coming out. Fuck you. That's what I said. I was like, fuck you, this is gonna be terrible. It, it does have some bad prequel oh. moments in it. Oh, Remember when he's like Han one. and what's your last name? Are you flying solo? Oh, I I, oh, I ought to be a road. I ought to be like Skywalker. <laughs> hey, what's up, pal? You in the clouds up there. Well, I'm a the, that's where this guy's legendary name has come from. Some like fucking ticket taker. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So those uh, those are my my favorite. Um, my yeah, Empire is not even in my top three. Um, for me, it'll always be Return of the Jedi because it was the first one I saw. And I've seen it the most times. I know it gets a lot of crap for you know the Ewoks and being super kitty and all that stuff. And there's you know problems, but whatever that. You know, that stuff that happens on in, in the, the Jabba shootout, for lack of a better term, is amazing. The Rancor pit, all the stuff with Luke and Darth Vader, the, the second Death Star fight. I don't care if the Ewoks throw stones at the goddamn stormtroopers and give them concussions. It's still great. Um, you know, yeah, the Han and Leia stuff on Endor is a little schmaltzy, but it's Star Wars. I'm fine with it. Uh, so I, it'll, I will watch that movie all the time. I mean, if I had a runner-up, I have a soft spot for war movies. So Rogue One's in there. It's got Mads Mikkelsen in it. Gotta dig it just for uh, old Daddy Mads, as our friend Alicia would say. And... Um, I don't know what would be my next one. I, I, I you know, the, the a new uh, Force Awakens for sure. Force Awakens would probably be my number two because it's just again a movie I can go back to a million times. Uh, LP, uh, LPJ, aka the Chewy of the Pod. What's what's your non Empire favorite Star Wars movie? Well, I've done a lot of uh, <clears throat> a lot of soul searching and drinking apparently. <laughs> last two, well, my, my voice is cracking because I was at the Yankee game on Saturday. Oh. Um, and did a lot of yelling. Um, so you'll have to excuse me on that front. Um, but the it's tough because, I mean, I, I think it would be a tie between Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi, the soundtrack is great. The throne room music is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, the whole scene in the throne room could have been, I mean, twice as long, I feel like. Um, the interaction between the battles and, and the different the different themes you can see how Return of the Jedi is the last movie made before Phantom Menace because those final battle scenes are incredibly incredibly similar. Um, but I think I would have to honestly go with a tie between Return of the Jedi and Rogue One, and it's only because I watched Rogue One again recently that 
to me, it just comes off as like, what? why did I say I liked um, Last Jedi? Because it tried something different. Why did I say I liked Solo? It was because it told an interesting character film. Um, you know, why did I say that we all like, well, not all, I, why do I like Empire Strikes Back? Because I feel like it's a, it's a, a, a good pivotal, it, it moves the story along. Why is New Hope so good? Because it tells a self-contained story that is perfect on its own. If you go no farther in the Star Wars universe, A New Hope is perfect. And I feel like Rogue One kind of hits on all of that while also being incredibly interesting. And who doesn't love Mads Mikkelsen? Johnny Depp. Was that? <laughs> Johnny Depp doesn't love Mads Mikkelsen. <laughs> Daniel Craig's balls. Oh, oh wow. That's <laughs> wow, that's a deep cut. Yeah. Especially for her. It's like his balls. <laughs> God. Uh, Al. Which the reason I said not Empire because it's like it's always like it's yeah. top 100. It's like so critically acclaimed. I'm like, oh, that's going to be the layup for everybody. But apparently, I don't know how to read the room, which is a criticism I've often been laid against me. But uh, Al, your um, favorite non Empire Star Wars movie? It's weird because I always treat favorite films in like two categories. There's like your favorite film, and then like the movies that you think are like the best in your head in like an order. Your favorite? Yeah. No, and in the sense of like, I would say like, because Lucas had just said that the Last Jedi is like the second best, but then he just said that his second favorite is probably Return of the Jedi, right? So it's like this like weird of like how we kind of organize things in our head. Like, is it the best movie or is it just something I enjoy? Like, Cat loves The Force Awakens. Me and her will go watch it right now. Yeah. We'll do it. I swear to God. But it's not necessarily like our favorite. I don't know. It's such a weird concept. So I would say like, I think the second best would probably be either a new hope or the last Jedi, but like my favorite, I guess it would probably be force awakens, but I feel like solo in the next couple of years is going to overtake that because it's so underrated. And I think that movie got shit on for a lot of reasons. And I, I feel like we should have this whole podcast. We should do a rewatch of solo. Yeah. Come back in a few months and be like, all yeah. right, we think of that. Because I, I, I feel I that seen it, since I saw it, it, it has its Disney slash prequel moments of like, like, either bad writing or whatever, but like, it's just so much fun. It's such a fun movie. And I, the casting in it was like insane, like so good, like in like really, really, really good. Like incredibly, what'd you say? Paul Bettany. Yeah. Paul Bettany, right. Donald fucking Glover. <laughs> I mean, Woody Harrelson. Now when I, watch, when, now when I watch A New Hope, all I can think is like, wow, Woody Harrelson was in here <laughs> 10 years before. <laughs> Woody Harrelson, uh, Thandie Newton, like, like it's such an insanely good cast. I love that. Uh, I really do like that movie. And I think, I think that's going to one day overtake it. But yeah, favorite versus like best is a concept that I've been trying to, like, if someone just said to you, like, what's your favorite movie? It might not necessarily think of like what you think is like one of the best movies ever. No. I know exactly what you mean, Al. Like, I, I know objectively on a filmmaking level yes. that Empire Strikes Back has the best writing and is like the best like well made of mm -hmm. any of the movies or at least at least the original trilogy but it's not my favorite but mm -hmm. I recognize that it's like extremely well made and very well written and paced very well and blah blah, blah. but yeah it, it, there's difference between like what is good and what is good for you yeah yeah, it's and that's not like a rare thing. Like I think most people can put that can put Empire as both of those things. Like 
I love this movie and it's the best, right? But I think with like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they someone said like gun to your head, like what's the best Marvel movie? It's like uh, uh, it's probably Iron Man. Like it's, it might, clearly, it's clearly Winter Soldier. It's okay. It's okay to be. Yeah, good. but Winter Soldier could fall in like my favorite list and also probably the best Marvel movie. But Iron Man is a fucking amazing movie. Oh, it is absolutely. <laughs> and it, it's enjoyable. It's well written. It's well directed. Like there is it's no top three. The pacing, everything is fucking phenomenal in Iron Man. Sorry. It's not an Iron Man pod. No, it will be one day. Uh, Ken, close us out. Favorite non-Empire Star Wars movie. So it was interesting when I read this first because Empire is not just my favorite Star Wars film, but it's like my favorite film, actually. It's like my number one favorite film. But that said, I would say my favorite Star Wars film after that is the original uh, New Hope. And it's because of two main reasons. One, I can't think of many films where... And this is interesting because as much as I love Empire, I definitely have to be in a mood for it. Whereas with A New Hope, I could definitely put it on at any point and watch it, regardless of what my mood is. And there's definitely not many films I could say that about. So it's like that versatility is really interesting. And the second reason why is that, and Lucas kind of alluded to this, but if they would have just made A New Hope and never made another Star Wars thing ever it still would work so perfectly. And that's such a wild thing to consider that you could have this film that, you know, hints at so many different layers and different facets and different like corners of a galaxy, yet it still feels so contained within the situation. I mean, think about what like Luke Skywalker experiences over the course of the film. I'm pretty sure it transpires over like two or three days, how he goes from just like regular small town farm boy to you know, getting shot off by a evil oppressive empire. It's just, there's something about, like saying it out loud sounds ridiculous, yet you watch it in the film and it just works perfectly. So yeah, A New Hope is just like, in terms of just baseline filmmaking, I feel like if you were to watch, if you were, if you had the hopes of making a film and you wanted to think about how pacing could work and how characters could be believable, that's one of those films you have to consider, even if it is like such a fantastical type of, you know, setting awesome well this was a lot of fun guys i'm glad we all got to geek out over star wars and i guess since we said on the podcast this imperial senate will reconvene for a solo watch through uh watch well we'll reconvene to uh, re-watch that because i believe it's are we coming up on the five year no God. no it's Did that only come out five years ago oh, time is a flat you. circle i have no idea solo. no it came out like two years ago no. Yeah, it's no, three, it three, three years ago, Bill. Jesus Christ. Yeah. All right. So the three-year anniversary. It feels like five years. Sorry. Oh, the old three-year anniversary. Oh, the old trace. Uh, so, guys, where can everyone? Let's let's do some plugs. Lucas P. Uh, Chewbacca. Uh, plug your plug your stuff that where people could find you on the internet and all the cool stuff you do out there in the world of hockey. Uh, well, as I'm slowly phasing out all of my personal social media accounts, the uh, the best place to find me is uh, at the underscore Dan K show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I'm actually a hockey guy. Um, and we go around doing hockey things with a lot of hockey people. We're breaking out into college and youth hockey game. We recently did a 10-year-old mixed uh, boys and girls hockey game um, that beat uh, – beat another widely distributed hockey game we'll say in terms of its viewership so we are 
lighting up the hockey world from start to finish. And uh, at the underscore Dan K show is the best place to be for that. Currently in summer mode, but as hockey season gets back underway in August, we'll be uh, back everywhere. Wherever there's a rink, there will be. That's such a Jedi thing to say. Al, where can people find <laughs> you? can find me at Al Manorino on Twitter and Instagram. I was initially doing a project that I myself said, this is a good idea of posting one photo a day on Instagram. I gave up after about a hundred days because through this extensive research, I have found that Instagram is a trash product that no one should be using. <laughs> it's so bad. It sucks. <laughs> it's not, it's not, it's not what it used to be or what we thought it would be. It is garbage. I never, I barely go on it anymore. On that happy note, Cat. Uh, <laughs> Twitter's okay, I guess. I don't know. Stay away from politics. Cat, uh, where can people, Cat uh, and Cole, where can people find you guys on social media if you want them to find you on social media? Uh, people can find me on Letterboxd. My handle is Cat with a K underscore wild with an E at the end. I'm rating movies and whatnot there. That's where people can find me. Yeah, same. I'm on Letterboxd. It's just my name, Cole Rothacker. Uh, you can find me, but watching most of the same movies as Cat most of the time. Adorable. Uh, yeah, except for Cat. <laughs> <laughs> where? Oh, God damn it. Ken, where can people, BB-8, we know where we can always find you, right? Yeah, BB-8 can be found with me. In our hearts. Uh, Ken, where can people find you and your awesome podcast? Yeah, uh, people could find me on Instagram or Twitter, uh, continuously wondering why I ever use both of those products, like Al said, but I do. And um, you could find me at Konami Photo, that's K-E-N-A-M-I, and photo spelt the American way. You're welcome, Bill. And... um, my podcast is called The New Exchange, and yeah, um, it's a pretty good podcast. I would say it's you know, one of the best podcasts in the world. Pretty amazing. And, excellent. Uh, Please listen, subscribe. I listen on Spotify. It's great. Thank you, Kat. It is a great podcast. I'm very proud of it. We're in the middle of season two, which will be ending in June, and I'll be working on season three throughout the summer because life is a you know, continuous circle. And yeah, be sure to check it out. Uh, check out, uh, you don't need to follow me on Twitter. It's fine. It's just all wrestling and retweets. Uh, so check out the pop every single day. We're posting about film, TV, music, anime, comic books, pro wrestling, all sorts of cool stuff. Follow all our podcasts. You could follow pop break TV. You could follow the Breakcast. You could follow. And the winner still is. And, uh, the way too early Oscar podcast on Apple, Google anchor, and and spotify uh follow us on facebook forward slash popbreak.com all spelt out at the pop break on instagram at the pop break on twitter so as we uh we now conclude this imperial senate have a lovely i hope you had a lovely may the fourth and just go out and watch solo because we'll be doing that soon (laughs) 